Hi everybody and welcome to episode 533 of Conversation Street. I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. And we are going to be talking about the episodes of Corrie from the 25th to the 29th of July. Now that is episodes 10,699 to 10,704. <sighs> Don't know what to say now. You're right Gemma. Yeah. Gemma's alright. I'm okay. You're alright everybody. I'm alright. I've had a lovely week this week. I have. I felt like a proper journalist on Wednesday. I was doing all journalistic kind of stuff one night. Yeah. Did my interview with Sophie Dainty from Digital Spy. I did some stuff for the Cast versus Fans quiz. Doing all sorts of stuff, and that's been lovely. So thank you everybody who's um uh, who who got places on our Cast versus Fans thing. Gemma, you were a bit worried, weren't you, that people weren't going to get the tickets? I think actually we've done, have recorded a podcast since that happened. Yeah. Actually, hasn't it? But it's okay. It's all going well, and I've had the um great pleasure to talk to some of the Conversation Street fans and do little quizzes with them this week. It's been lovely. It's been really, really nice being able to speak to people on Zoom. And um, everyone has been absolutely lovely. How's your week been, Gemma? Fine. How's yours been? Fine, fine, fine. Hot, school, journalism. Uh, I don't think I've got anything to say about this week. Can you tell? Gemma, can you do me a quiz? I could. I've already done it. Can you, can you tell me it? Can you ask me some questions? Oh, quiz you. This is the second podcast we've recorded today, but we did a Patreon podcast earlier on today, so um, I don't know what that means. We just did. Just thought I'd let you know and everything. Go on, Gemma. I'm, I'm rambling today. What's, what's going on in the world of quizzing? Things that happen between the 25th and the 29th of July. Yes, ending in a 2 and a 7. And I sourced this from... Carpedia. CoronationStreet.fandom.com. 25th of July, 1997. We see John Lindsay working at the airport. What is the shop and what does it sell? It's a tie shop and it sells ties. Do you need the name of the tie shop? Oh, gosh, it was a funny airport-related pun, wasn't it? Like, tie and fly or... um, uh, I don't know. Go on, I don't remember. What's the answer? No, I don't know. Tie and fly, (laughs) and it sells ties. Yes. Was that it? Yeah. Oh, great. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I should, I should be a tie shop name, obviously. Why not? 26th of July, 2002. Richard Hillman is about to go and marry Gail Platt. <laughs> You're going to say Gail Pratt then, weren't you? No. Maybe that should be our new name for her when she's particularly idiotic. Richard Hillman is about to go and marry Gail Platt when the police stop him to question him about which missing person. Patricia Hillman. Mm-hmm. 26th of July, 2017. Billy Mayhew becomes the legal guardian of Summer Spellman. But why? Um, because, because our real dad's dead. And he said, can you become the legal guardian of Summer Spellman, please? What's the dad's name? Drew. Correct. Her dad, Drew, is <gasps> go, dead. Go, 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 go for it. 27th of July, 1987. What do Mike and Susan fall out over? Um, oh, so many things. I think it's probably about him wanting a kid with her and her saying, no thanks, I'd rather do work. Correct. Yes. 27th of July, 1992. What does Rita reveal to Derek and Mavis about Ted Sullivan? he got a brain tumour in it. Correct. That's how she said it as a quote from the episode. 28th of July, 1982. Who does Len Fairclough sell number nine to? Chalky Whiteley. 
Yep. Yes. Again. You've got one more. <gasps> seven out of seven, come on. Am I going to get this one? This is an easy question or a hard question. Or Tw- fair to Midland. 29th of July, 2007. Oh, 2007? Is that what you said? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Jamie Baldwin discovers who is pregnant by who. Oh, I don't know that question. Jamie Baldwin discovers that... 2007. Violet is pregnant by Sean. Correct. Yes, full marks. Oh, yeah, that's been a while since I've had full marks. One. Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It must be all the quizzing that I've been doing for the for the listeners this week. I'm You're inspired in a by that. All their amazing. Answers. I am. I am. I've been very, very impressed. Some of the um, ew, quite quite a lot of the um. Well, in fact, all. <laughs> I'm just gonna ramp it up. All the people that I've been speaking to this week have been very knowledgeable, but some have definitely impressed me by their big old Corrie brains. Done a good job. I'm looking forward to being able to um, to share this quiz with everyone in a few weeks. Gemma, does anyone have a birthday coming up who happens to be related to Coronation Street? 31st of July. Yes, no. <laughs> yes. I'm getting a look. Come on. 31st of July, Sue Jenkins, who played Gloria Todd. Mm-hmm. 1st of August, Jesse Evans, who played Megan Hopkins. 2nd of August, Sandra Goff, who played Irma yes. Bar. <laughs> 3rd of August, Andrew Lansau, who played Frank Foster. 5th of August, John Sharp, who played Les Clegg, Lawrence Mullen, who played Steve Fisher. <laughs> Classic. Ray- I'll I fish him a happy birthday. Ray Fearon, who played Nathan Cooper. Anthony Cotton, who plays Sean Tully. And Oliver Farnworth, who played Andy Carver. What a birthday. What a birthday. Weird. That's actually not that exciting, though. Not not a brilliant week for birthdays. What are you talking about? I'm just saying they're not exactly Emma, all a Andy, Steve. Sean. Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? Happy birthday about? to all those people. You don't I'm always a bit jealous of people. Week. I do. Um, I was a bit jealous of people who have their birthdays in August because it's always in the summer holidays. I'm not. If if you are somebody who has summer holidays off like me, you're not what? I don't, I'm not jealous of people who have some birthdays too hot. Too hot to have a birthday. To like your, your chill October birthday. Yeah. It's your birthday coming up soon, isn't it? It's like, how long is it? Two months away. Better start. Things, Is it? Yeah. Oh, God. Two uh, two months till Gemma's birthday, everybody. Save up, everyone. Yeah. Um, anything else to add, or just want to crack on with street talk? Get on with it. Let's get on with it. Welcome to street talk, everybody. Welcome. What stories have we got? Tell me, Michael. You sound so excited to hear. Well, I'll tell you what we're starting off with. We had Frank Incense recently, didn't we? This week we have Crank Incense, because Kevin's got a little bit mad this week, and he has kept the crank for Rants and Bants. Yeah, he, he, got, he got mad this week, didn't he? Whoa, we've got stuff to talk about about that one. Next up, we've um, we've moved on from Summer Holiday, which partway through the week I was thinking, has she been on this holiday and missed it? But apparently not. This week she has got a summer job. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Leftover stew, Gemma. Do you like a bit of leftover stew? That's almost getting a smile from Gemma, that one. They're doing a leftovers thing at Speed Dial, which sounds very, very nice. Um, Debbie indebted. Yeah. 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 She's got no money, has she? Um, I had a little bit more of the last chance salon story. Phil out, Gemma. Phil is gone. Sad times. I'm mad about that. I know you're mad about that. I could have called this one Phil out, colon. A form because he did give a reform this week, didn't he? I don't to get, say that, I don't get it. to say that isn't enough to fill out a form. And there's maybe a little bit of tippetance there at the end of the week. Oh, I don't know. Um, I um, I'm going to go to bed. No, don't go to bed. I can tell you're tired. You can go to bed in three hours. Deal. 
No. Can you make be... it that long? Come on. Get with it. Why are you so tired anyway? Just What's drained of life. Straight drained of life. Well, I'm gonna. I will take on the crank incense storyline then. And um, Jack has got his leavers presentation on Monday. I I got all confused last week because it was my last day at school on Friday last week, and I was having a rant as I am, you know, prone to do. Um, on the podcast last week saying that he what, what happened about his presentation why was he given something another last day of term who why would any teacher care well apparently the schools on Weatherfield just keep on going for that little bit longer and Monday is the day of his leaver's presentation um, Tyrone later on sees Kevin taking paint into the house he needs to paint the nursery um, but oh no, there's an important job at the garage he needs to do. Stephen's brought his um, his Jaguar in to get it um, what they did doing with it Fixing. I don't know any more than that. But 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 Kevin needs to do that. But no, he needs to do the nursery. But oh no, he needs to see Jack's presentation. He's going to blow his gasket. What is going to happen? But, but Tyrone can, can't do the car because he needs to see Hope's presentation because she is also leaving school. What are they going to do, Gemma? Camera zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Go back in time and not have kids. And that's not the worst of it either, because there's a bit of a, a bit of a to do going on over at Bessie Street later. Because you know, you know, Jack is is year six. You know, he's like eleven years old and not eleven foot high. He's got some of that. He's got a bit of a bullying problem at school because there's these kids that are about half his height that start calling him Spanner because he's got two dads. So do you remember last week what, when two dads? Well, he, he, he doesn't really. He doesn't really. But it was that little strange revelation last week where Jack said to Ruby, "Oh, Evelyn could have been my nana," and Ruby's gone and blabbed to somebody, and then they've all started calling him Spanner. And they're going, Spanner, Spanner, Spanner. And he's like towering over them, looking like, oh, this is a bit sad for me. And then apparently he goes and punches one of them in the face, which we don't get to see, unfortunately. Um, Anyway, school phones Kevin uh, to come into school. So he comes storming into head teacher's office. I don't know whoever that was supposed to be. Anyway, um, teacher recommends to Kevin that he take Jack home now and miss out on his Libras show, which I thought was, like, the harshest thing. I'm sorry. I This kid, this poor little gentle giant Jack, has been clearly provoked into lamping who I imagine is the school arse. And now he's been told, you can't take part in the Libras assembly. Sorry, I don't believe that would happen. Do you think that was a bit, bit of a harsh I punishment? I don't know what they do with children at school these days. I think... To, be, to, to tell somebody they can't take part in their leavers ceremony at school, I'm sorry, that's a bit of a rites of passage. And I know you don't, you can't just, it's not just, you know, I've got my leavers assembly coming up so I can punch whoever I like. But come on, I think that was very, very harsh. And even when I was watching on Monday, I was thinking, so is this his last day at term? Has he been sent home early on his last day at term? Because that seems a bit unfair as well. But no, school keeps on going. Anyway, I felt a bit bad for Jack there. Um... So Kevin goes home, he's in a grunt with Jack, Jack's in a grunt with him, they get into an argument again, Jack says, oh dad, you never have any attention to me, you're just worried about Abby and the bear bear, in the garage, they all come first, and he showed just how rebellious he's turning, because you know what Gemma, he called him Kevin. What? He did a David, he called him by his, and Kevin's like, you don't call me Kevin! Um, and then they, they end not on good terms. Wednesday's episode, um, the direction's a bit funny on Wednesday, isn't it? So Monday and Wednesday's episodes were both directed by Reese Dinsdale, who Corey viewers might remember as having played 
Joe McIntyre, who got bopped with a boom uh, back of 15 years ago or so and ended up um, in Lake Windermere. Well, he's been on Emmerdale and he's become a director and he was he was showing off his directing stripes on Monday. Uh, on, well, Monday and Wednesday, I think he did. And you could kind of tell on Wednesday, couldn't you? Very distinctive. Do you want to say anything about this? You, you seem quite opinionated about it on Wednesday as we were watching. When I was talking to you, perhaps. Yes. Oh, you can say it here if you want. I didn't really like it. We didn't really like it, did we? I thought it was a bit... Um, I thought it was a bit obvious, wasn't it? It was like zoom in on someone's face to show there was a lot of they're mad. Quick zoom, 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 zoom. It's, Shot from above. It's a different. It was a different language to the normal way that Coronation Street tells stories, so it sticks out a bit more. I'm sure um, has its has its fans. There were some interesting sort of top down shots as well. Some um, bits worked well, episode, but the zoom, the whole... especially with Kevin, I think he did a really great job of making it very stressful to watch. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what he was going for, maybe. Well, I mean, clearly it was. He wanted to raise the tension of, of viewers, but he was... Yeah, I just... It I, was frenzied. It was very frenzied. I just I just thought that the, the Zoom looked a little bit... The only thing I would say is right that they sort of started off stressed and they never got any more stressed. There was they no build-up, was there? It just... Everyone was stressed all episode long. Yeah, the, the first scene was very much a, a Reese Dinsdale fueled frenzy as Kevin's trying to put this cot together in the front room because they haven't got an actual set for the nursery. <laughs> That's probably what I was worried about. It's like, I need to put this cot together in the nursery, but I can't remember where the nursery is. Is it the front parlour? Is it upstairs somewhere? I don't know. Have we actually got enough room for a nursery? Now I bought all this paint and everything. So he's not having the best of mornings. Um, and then Jack comes downstairs and he's all surly and everything to Kevin. Um, Kevin says, look, I'm sorry for shouting at you last night. Been so busy with the nursery, but I'm trying my best, Jack. And then the social worker comes round. And this is the woman that's been on the show like six, seven, eight times or so this year. Been involved in the the Alfie case. And I think um, I think she was on Twitter the other day saying that that was her last episode. So yeah. last we see of her. Spoiler alert. Yes. Everything goes fine. Everybody's leaving this week. Social worker is dead impressed with the nursery. We didn't get to see it, but apparently it's lovely. And she tries to ask Jack about how he's feeling about Abby and Alfie coming round, but he just ignores her. And then Chesney comes round to take him to school because um, Sam Aston fancied being an episode for a change. The social worker tells Kevin, look, your house is great. Kevin says, look, in the long term, I'd really like to take parental responsibility for Alfie. And she thinks that's all lovely. But what if Alfie, uh, what if Abby relapses? What if she falls off the wagon and turns into a massive druggie again? Would you be able to look after Alfie on your own there? Absolutely, he says. I'm ready for anything. So um, that's that's all looking peachy there for Kevin. Later on, social workers buggered off and Kevin goes round to the garage to check over Aaron's work on Stephen's Jag. Because... Rather than, and you pointed this out on Twitter, didn't you? Rather than letting the very inexperienced kid work, put together a probably fairly easy to build cot uh, and let Kevin, the mechanic for the best part of God, 30, 40 years, work on the very expensive Jaguar, they decide to do it the other way around. And, um, but anyway, but apparently it seems at this point in time that Aaron's done a jolly good job um, and Stephen comes round to come and collect his car. Kevin, um, in reward, says, Aaron, you know what, this, this trial period, I'm going to give it you, you can have, you can stay here now, this is going to be a permanent job 
for life. Hurrah, says Aaron. But then Stephen comes storming over and says his car's conked out down Victoria Street. And I think he actually said the words conked out, which didn't um didn't sit right with me coming out of a Canadian's mouth. And we need He's some not Canadian. Really can- Canadian though, is he? We need some Canadian listeners. Do you use the phrase conked out? Over there. I mean, he's got a Canadian accent and he lives in Canada sometimes, but he's also, was he not born in England? Um, he was. He was. Maybe and he lives in maybe. Italy. Yes. So I think he knows what conked out Get a whole melting is. pot. My car is conked out down Victoria Street. <laughs> I want it fixing right now. And that starts getting Kevin's blood no! pressure rising again. Ah! And he's and, and Aaron, meanwhile, is trying to, trying to leave work early to go on a lunch date with Summer. And Kevin's like, no, you're bloody not doing that. You've made this mess. You can stay in the garage while I go and sort out Aaron, uh, Stephen's car. So Stephen's like rings him up and he's like fuming down the phone. <laughs> when are you going to come and get my car? And Kevin's like, oh, I'll come very soon, I promise. So he goes over to Victoria Street. Stephen, if he, I don't know, if Stephen had any fans at the beginning of the week, I think he pretty much lost them all by the end of Wednesday's episode because um, he, was, he was rather hacked off, wasn't he? Everyone was just shouting at each other. My car, my car, I've been waiting here in Victoria Street. I got an important business meeting to get to. I don't know any, have any other method of transportation. Trumpy. Is that? My car is the best car in the whole world. <laughs> if you don't fix my car, I'm very smart. I can fix the car myself, but I've asked you <laughs> to do it. So when are you going to fix it? People have said, you're so smart, Stephen. You can fix any car. And I know I said myself many times. <laughs> But when are you going to fix it? Uh, if it had been that, then Kevin would have just burst out laughing. <laughs> and instead, he, 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 he loses his rag a little bit more. Why not? Um, Why not? It's and, a rag and then, day. And then Jack's trying to phone up Kevin as well, saying, rah, 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 come in. Because he's gone, has he gone back up to school on Wednesday for his actual final day, I think? Um, and then, then there's this irate van driver that's honking his... He's literally he see him coming down Victoria Street. It's not like he's been sitting there all this time. I don't know how long this, this Jaguar has been sitting out on Victoria Street, but it feels like it must have been also, quite a long time. I like the way Steam's like, oh, forgotten which way, which uh, side of the road I drove down. I'll just go down the middle. <laughs> down the middle of the road, yeah, I know. <laughs> the whole point about Media City set, Stephen, is that you can fit two cars down the street. I know they were talking about Coronation Street then, but I'm sure Victoria Street it's fine as well anyway so there's van driver saying I need you to move my car and move that car out of the way I've been sitting here for literally five seconds and now I'm fuming Kevin picks up the phone to, to Jack and Jack oh yeah he wants money for something or other and Stephen's livid he says I'm gonna start finding someone else to sort my car out and then Abby phones and Kevin's like oh my gosh he's on he's having a breakdown and then he he's finally snaps he's having a breakdown about the breakdown he is having a breakdown about the breakdown isn't he then he snaps and starts taking his anger out in the car and it is a classic Corrie car smash Rawr! he gets his wrench and starts hammering at the windscreen hammering the the, um, the wing mirror off he does a little bit of damage to that classic car which might I add must have been a very satisfying film for my uh, scene for Mike Lavelle to film yep smash 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 he's just spent yeah he's just spent nearly 40 years working on Coronation Street fixing cars and finally gets to, t- to take his anger out on one of them and it you I'm know, pretty sure everybody was it a real Jaguar and everything I guess it must have. although they could have fooled me they could have put they could have put a little cat symbol on the back of a Skoda and I'd have thought that it's a Jaguar but Everybody who works in that garage has probably smashed up at least three cars by now. Do you reckon? In anger. 
Do you reckon? Yeah. They they do like to have a bit of a car smash on Coronation Street, don't they? It's almost becoming a little bit, oh no, somebody else is smashing up a car again. Didn't Maria have a go at somebody's car last year because it, it used petrol and it was a bit big and bad for the environment? Well, who was... Nick Nick was Nick pe- Nick ruined Michael Rodwell's ice cream van that one time. No, but there was who was parked outside um Oh yeah, the somebody bin was was in the way. Yeah, somebody was blocking yeah, that's right. Anyway. Oh yeah, it was that was just recently, wasn't it? Who was that? I don't remember. Nick was there. Was it David? Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they're, they're starting to do it a little bit more often. I, I, I like a car smash as much as anybody else. That bonus stage in Street Fighter 2, lots of fun. But I think Coronation Street needs to start coming up with a few new ideas. Maybe they've um, got a job lot of windscreens. <laughs> do you reckon? Or windshields. <laughs> do you think... not from the UK. Do you think that they uh, just go down the, the, the local the scrap scrap and then say, get any, get any yeah. cars that we can... Yeah, why not? Anyway, so after Kevin's um, taking his anger out on this car... Um, Everyone's like, oh no! Blimey, Kevin. Never thought you had it in you. I thought you were so mellow. Kevin goes around and saying, I've never done anything like this before. I've never, I've never got mad I'll never before. i never do this. I don't know what anger is. <laughs> John Stave's still got the scars. Anyway, Abby, meanwhile, is still at Wendy's house because, like I was wrong about it being Jack's last day at school last week on the podcast, I was also wrong about Abby coming back home. And I think there was about three episodes in the course of the past week where I thought, and now Abby's moved back to number 13. I'm just losing track of what's going on. But anyway, she's over at Wendy's on Wednesday um, and she can't get hold of Kevin. She's been trying to phone him, remember. Um, Wendy's saying, oh, you're brilliant, Abby. You've come so far. Everything's going to be just hunky-dory. Stephen, meanwhile, comes mooching back to the garage later where Tyrone's there apologising on Kevin's behalf for... For, for making a bit of a, a, a mess of his lovely jag. And he says, look, can you just cut Kevin some slack? He's had, he's had a proper hard time recently. Stephen, though, is not feeling particularly charitable. He's like, I missed out on a great business deal. £25,000 worth. I, I, this, is, this is what I and many people on the internet don't get. Why does Stephen have a business deal over here? I thought he came back because David begged him to come back. I su- I'm very suspicious of Stephen Why now. does he have a business deal? Why does he have a car here after all? Is it a hire car? Is it not insured? Is it actually his car? Why would you hire a Jag? Exactly. That? Just to I, really show off. I think uh, it's I'm either... I'm from Milan. Not very good writing, or there's something more about Stephen and what he's up to and why is he here than we previously thought, because, yeah... He came back very quickly, didn't he? And he came very quickly in the first case to see Audrey after he was sort of warned about her. And he's trying to do deals with Sarah about Silk. Mm. If he goes down the evil villain route, you know, this week was certainly a good step towards that, wasn't it? Because he was absolutely vile towards Kevin on Wednesday. Um, and, And it seemed to be a little bit out of character for me. I mean, Stephen's never been the most happy-go-lucky, chilled character. He's a bit morose, isn't he? He is, yeah, he's a little bit. But just literally standing there, spitting bile at Kevin, who was clearly trying to do his best. And I know that he paid to have his car fixed and everything, but it seemed a little bit out of character for me for Stephen to be quite so irate at him. And it it felt like it was just put in to to make, to give Kevin an excuse to snap. He's not a very savvy businessman either if his £25,000 deal gets scuppered because his solution to his car breaking down was to shout at the mechanic, 
continuously until the mechanic had a mental breakdown and, and wrecked his car more yeah. when he could have just phoned streetcars. Like, literally, there's a taxi firm. You can see it. As you're standing in Victoria Garden, uh, Victoria Street, shouting at Kevin that your car's broken, you could just turn slightly to one side and go, there's a taxi firm over there. Yeah, just he probably did it at the end of the scene. He's like, oh my God, I feel so stupid now. <laughs> and Toya's like, don't worry, love. I did that a couple of months ago as well. Believe. I had a stress out on the very same road and I could have had a taxi too. Don't really believe how easy it is to forget that. <laughs> anyway, um, so Kevin... Um, so yeah, Ty- Tyrone's trying to tell uh, Stephen to go easy on him and he says, oh, Tyrone, you're really loyal but seriously Kevin's a liability Kevin shows back up at the garage and it looks like Tyrone's groveling has worked Stephen's allowing Tyrone to fix the car and Kevin says um tell you what I should have I should have just gone with my gut and not let Aaron do the job well done Kevin probably not the best idea I mean what does a kid know who's literally been working at the garage for like a month or so Maybe he does mess around with cars it, a lot. Why would you give him like a really important client and a very expensive car to work on? Yeah, what's and his then training be like? Like, what's his supervision on this car that he that he fixed? He was supposed to check it, wasn't he? But he never did. I, no, I don't. I, don't, I There was a there was an explanation in the show for why it didn't get checked before Stephen took it out. So they did cover their tracks there, but well, I don't remember what it was, so it didn't work for me. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, Tyrone says, look, you need to tell Abby what's happened here. Um, you can't, because, because, because Kevin's kind of put in this predicament that, oh, I've been arrested now, so maybe Alfie's going to not be able to live with it. What was that? Was that what it was? Yeah, they were just, we were just There's going to be drama with Alfie because, because I've got a criminal record They're investigating them to make sure that Alfie's going to be safe living there and... Do you know what I mean? Just imagine if Alfie's having a bit of a, ba- a rough night and he's crying all the way through the night at three o'clock in the morning. Kevin strides into the room and whacks just, him over the head with a spanner. Just go shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you got you got to tell Abby. Says Tyrone. Speaking of which, Abby comes home. Hurrah! Again, uh, again, she's back she again. Does this many times. Yes. But this she's still coming. wasn't it, was it? No, she's just I'm popped really in confused. for a cup of tea or something. Anyway, she's dead excited because she's coming home on Friday. Kevin tries to tell her all about his um, mare of a day, but she's too hyper to listen. They end up going to the pub instead for have a drink with Sally. Abby says, how's, how's your day? You, you said you had a bit of a day from hell, Kevin. And uh, he's he's kind of wound down a little bit more. Now he's got a couple of beers inside him. And he says, oh, I just had snarky customers. Everything was fine. Can't tell you. He didn't want to be a. He didn't put want to rain on a parade, does he? So honourable. Um, and at the end of the episode, it's left with a little bit of a cliffhanger because Stephen shows up at the police station. They have police CCTV cam and everything, and um, he says he wants to make a statement, but we don't get to find out what that statement is. No, it it does end. The show ends on him looking very determined, sitting down, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and it kind of was a bit of something and nothing on Friday, wasn't it? Because it was well, just him so dropping the, the charges. Well, so was the end of Friday's. Oh, yeah. I know it's kind of nice, the end of Friday's right, episode. Right, carry on. Friday's episode. So um, just to hammer the point home that Jack has finally turned into a teenager, um, Friday's episode starts with him getting into a row with Kevin because he just wants to sit on the sofa and play on his zombie game and Kevin says that you got to go and... I don't know whatever he wants him to go. It's the first day of his summer holiday, Kevin. Come on, Kevin. Just let him sit around him, sitting around playing a zombie game. Yeah. Um, He shouldn't be playing zombie games anyway. He's 11. 
Just because he's he might not look 11. like uh, uh, just, he's probably Jack's probably just gone into the computer shop to buy that. Like he doesn't even need to get ID. He anything. goes into the shop. You're so 18, aren't you? No, he goes into the shop. Says, so I want to buy Zombiezy Five, please. Um, no return. And the man says, "Oh, is it for your kid?" Yeah, probably. Says, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so Tyrone comes over a bit later as well, and Kevin says, "Look, I've not told Abby about me getting arrested yesterday." And Tyrone says, "I really think you should." Hashtag no more secrets and all that. And then the police come knocking on the door. Oh no! Great cliffhanger. And Kevin's like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just kind of lost it." Okay. And they said, "It's fine, Mr. Webster. We are not pressing charges." Well, Stephen has come into the police station, and he's decided that he's going to let you off. Phew, says Kevin. Then they get back into the car and drive off. But oh no, Abby shows up in a taxi just at that very exact moment. Abby's very good at doing things like that, isn't it? Because it was only last week that she happened to turn around the corner when Wendy came out of the house. This week she comes around the corner when the police are leaving the house. Every time that... I mean, she's going to start getting a complex that every time that she arrives somewhere, people just are disappearing and leaving. I don't know. Um, anyway, she says, what's those police officers doing there? Kevin says, no, Tyrone kind of came up with an excuse. He said, oh, they're just asking, just doing a door-to-door about something. Abby buys it. Everything's good. Um, so they settle in. Kevin's done a, got a lovely HD baby monitor. She's dead impressed by it. And they all go to speed dial for lunch, um, where Kevin starts to open up a little bit about the, the fallout that he, he and Jack um, have had this week. Then Stephen comes into speed dial, um, and he just, he, he's there to see Yasmin, isn't he? But he checks how Kevin's doing and he says, oh, you know, yeah, Tyrone told me he'd had a bit of a tough time recently, so I've decided, um, I've asked the police to drop the charges. Um, what charges? What charges, says Abby. Uh-oh. So Stephen's like, whoops, Stephen. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and uh, Kevin has to confess all to Abby. So they go home. Kevin's clearly insecure about looking after Alfie. Um, and Abby has to say, look, you're doing a great job. I'm glad I know about the arrest now and it's all fine. Don't worry about it. And then he says, oh, Jack's been a bit of an idiot and he's getting into fights at school. He thinks that um, I only care about you and Alfie. And then Abby starts to get the distinct impression that she's not welcome around there where, uh, where Jack's concerned. And she starts spiralling downwards as she has wants to do and says, oh, well, you know, maybe it's better if I don't come back at all. And Kevin's like, no, no, don't go back to Wendy's. And if I was an American, I'd be able to make a joke there. Don't go back to Wendy's. I need you to make me tea instead. Yeah, they, they make them. burgers. They do make burgers, don't they? Chili. Anyway, um, Jack, Jack just kind of pops up towards the end of the episode. He's having a bit of a chat with Kevin outside the cabin. He's, he's calmed down and everything. He, he, um, he hears... Um, he, he, he hears Kevin, or Kevin tells him that maybe Abby doesn't want to stay anymore. So Jack gets a little bit guilty about that. Heads inside and Abby says, look, I know that... Jack, I know that having a new baby brings about a load of new changes and everything, so I've decided I'm not going to come back until you're all ready. And Jack completely loses all of his um, teenage angst that had been building up inside him. He has like a, yeah, his hormone level just goes whoop, and he says, oh, I love you, oh, I'd be, we'd be lost without you. Kevin wants you home, and so do I. And he says, sorry, Kevin, I've been an ass all week. Abby, can you stay with us? And then they have a very heartwarming scene at the end of the episode where he gives her his end of year presentation to read, which is very schmaltzy and soppy and like, oh, moving on's hard and change is good. And oh, it sucks that my mum died when I was little. And oh, so it's pretty rubbish that I lost my leg and got sepsis and everything as well. But you know what? At least I've got me dad and he's 
met a funny and brilliant woman called Abby and we're a family and whatever life throws at us we'll be able to deal with it together as a family. And I can just imagine him reading this out on his leavers ceremony and, and all the people in the audience are going, what, what is he going on about? Everybody else is just saying about what a lovely school that they've been to and what the funny memories are. I enjoyed doing maths. I like making a paper mache. I like doing PE and my favourite bit of school is break time and lunch time. <laughs> and Jack's there kind of spilling his heart and guts out about his family and they're like, like this, this isn't PSE. This isn't this isn't about that, Jack, but never mind. It's very, very sweet. Abby gets all teary and they end the episode with a big old Webster hug. And a suspicious zoom. Well yeah, it's like a zoom out, isn't it? It was very weird. I, I didn't particularly mind it, but I was expecting it to reveal something. So the camera kind of is on on the three of them and it just kind of works its way backwards out the door and into the hall and then it kind of gets, goes to the bottom of the stairs and then you, then you cut to the outside of the street and it zooms back a little bit more um, and it felt like there was going to be someone sitting at the bottom of the stairs or somebody yeah, listening or like in. Or some I kind of conflict or like revelation. Or, or, or even just the, the, like, you know, the camera settles on a photo of the happy family together or or you know, maybe a picture of Molly or something like that. But it wasn't anything. It really did. That would have made more sense. Yeah. But then they realised they haven't got a table out the front for a photo to oh, go on. So. Um Anyway, that was that storyline. Gemma. What did you think of the Webster Woes this week? Mm, I didn't really like this manufactured... Oh, I don't know if you really want me to come home. Oh, you do. Like, it felt like we spent the whole of Friday's episode getting to where we started on the beginning of Friday's episode. Well, the whole of the week did seem a little bit of a run-up to... Oh, there's a load of drama before Abby comes home, but they all lived happily ever after, didn't it? And unfortunately, it did lead to a whole bunch of characters, in my opinion, either over overreacting to things or, or acting out a character, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it like, was all just manufactured, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, yes, it probably is stressful to have your spouse come back home after spending a couple of months away. Um... In, with a baby, with, with a baby and a, and, a, and a flame and Wendy Crozier, but it, it, it yeah, there's just in the world, is it? It didn't feel like there was enough natural build up. There it wasn't was just, any, like you said earlier. It started off at you know 100 percent stress, and there was nowhere to go from there. Yep. Um. He so so, I I don't think that Kevin would have actually started smashing up a car. I know he's got. You know, he's got a bit of a temper sometimes. But would he have done that? Knowing what the car is and knowing how much it's worth and... And, I know and also we... what kind of a pe- person owns it and the fact that he said, I need it urgently. Yeah, I just, I, th- I think it was not in... I think Kevin wouldn't have done that. But like I said before, they, they seem to like characters just smashing up cars when they're feeling a bit narked on Coronation Street recently. I, I don't get it. Stephen, I I was a bit of a Stephen defender before this. I mean, out of all the returns we've had this summer, okay, he's the, the least exciting of them all. But Wednesday's episode, I was just left thinking, what have you become? Hmm. You know, it's, I, I didn't like him there. Um, and Jack... He's always been relatively chilled and sensible and some might say mature for his age. Hmm. And then this week, they just decided to turn him into a, you know, stereotypical grumpy teenager. He's only 11, remember? And 
it, it didn't... It, it felt like they just said, oh, you know, teenagers can be grumpy. Let's have a grumpy teenager to, to push Kevin's buttons, you know? It's, it's a shame because I, I did I did like the final shot of the episode. I liked I the happy ever like after. A lot of this was a waste of time, honestly. It was just like, Storm Abby's coming back, what drama can there be? Let's mm. have this. And there's probably going to be like, no consequences to any of this. Stephen's decided to drop the charges. So, you know, what's going to happen to his car? Did, did Kevin say that he'd pay for it? Yeah, they're going to pay for it, yeah. How much is that? Is is that going to cause is, a dent in the Webster's finances or will nobody mention it ever again? They're not going to mention it, are they? And there's no consequences a lot of the time for Let's things go straight that to the web do. money like, pit. How much money would that really cost? It costs loads of money. Mm. And just because you do it yourself doesn't mean the parts thing are free. No, exactly. And also, you're supposed to be spending time with Abby and, and, um, and Alfie Alpha. and Jack... But now he's got to do this. He's either got to do this extra work, or he's got to pay somebody else to do it, or Tyrone has to do it. And Tyrone's supposed to be spending time with his family. Yeah. Just no, nobody, no consequences really. Mm. It's like not being being in trouble with the police is not the only negative thing that could have come out of this. Mm. It is funny to think that um, that that now Jack and Hope have now left primary school, like. It's funny having the two of them next to each other, isn't it? And yeah. seeing hope, hope, I think, comes across as being quite young for her age. And, you know, I have I teach year six, so I know what year six is like. And, and as much as we kind of make fun of, of Jack for being a little bit older than he should be, there are, there are year sixes that I know who are, you know, quite tall and mature and voices deepening and everything like that. So it's not really out the realms of possibility um and, and yeah and hope, but hope comes across as she's treated younger than she she is but um yeah it'll be funny seeing them dressing up in their weddy high garb this year was it i mean i guess it must have also been sam's last day at school as well this week he appeared in one scene didn't he he had his walkie-talkie Right. He was talking to Hope over the walkie-talkie. That was weird. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. It felt like a, that could have been filmed at any point. But, um, yeah, mass exodus from Weatherfield High this week. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, what else have we got? Uh, do you reckon has Aaron ended his career, his illustrious career as a mechanic after uh, screwing up on the Jag, or is he going to be sticking around for longer, do you think? Surely it's their responsibility, because <clears throat> he's just like a, a, an apprentice, isn't he? Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt. He, he just. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to be stereotypical or anything here, but he doesn't feel like he's typical me- mechanic material. <laughs> you know, he doesn't seem. He doesn't seem refty tufty and manly enough. Uh, Maybe that's just what I think mechanics should all be like. Like you know, manly Tyrone. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. hairy chest and everything. Um, maybe you were. There's been a couple of um mechanics that have gone through Webster's autos throughout the years, like um, Nathan and um, who else as well? Did Tommy work there or something? I can't remember. And I think Aaron may well just join the, the illustrious ranks of unforgettable, uh, no, unmemorable, sorry, um, mechanic-y people. That's a good top five. Most top five forgettable top five mechanics, boring mechanics at the garage. There've been, there've been more than a few of them. Freddie Smith, there's another one. Abby. <laughs> um, so anyway, everything's all hunky dory. Shay Webster, just in time. I for just didn't. T- 
I, I did, uh, didn't like the whole, oh, I'm, oh, I'm not going to move in here then because I don't, well, I think it's, we're moving too fast and I don't want to upset you and Jack's like, oh, for God's sake, you're married to each other. Well, that's what I thought. And what are you, where are you going to live then? I thought we had this whole story about how you could support yourself. Well, she, didn't she say she was going to go back to live with Wendy's? And Wendy's just... Wendy's like, I want to retire. I want to, exactly. You're my home. last person. I Take the hint, Abby. I closed the door on you. You're not coming back. I've changed the locks. <laughs> I just... I don't think I'm... You're, you're right that they're married, so really she should just go back there anyway. But I don't think I'm completely invested enough in Abby and Kevin's relationship for me to go, oh no, this would be terrible if... That's what I was thinking. It's like, like go on then. Go somewhere it's, else. It was but cute where are you going? End, but yeah. Uh, anyway, it was really nice to see them hug and be un- a united front. But I didn't actually care about mm. how they got there. I'm surprised, considering that Toya was in tonight's episode in the psychic storyline, that they didn't have her kind of loitering around watching I, Baby I'm Alfie really, going really, back into number thirteen. It's really maddening and disgusting how much she's been like whitewashed out of of Alfie's life. So quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that she was in it tonight for just a couple of scenes, it feels like, well, this is a warm-up for Toya's return and maybe we'll see more of her next week. Um, so... Well, she hasn't been anywhere. She, well, no, no, she, she, she's just not been in the show for a few weeks, has she? So maybe she's going to be, you know, getting her, getting her hackles up when she sees them parading Alfie down the street in the pram, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and, wait and find out. And that there's still... Um, I don't think it feels like, although she has now retired, it feels like there is more to come for Wendy. I know. What's the point of Wendy? Apart then? from that little scene with Ken last week, which was kind of nice, but like I think we said in last week's podcast, nobody was you know, begging for closure for Wendy and Ken. I'm thinking, what? What? Did this character? could have been anybody. It didn't just have to be Wendy. And it's almost like, you know, they were looking for a character to do the job or looking for an actor to play the part. And Roberta Kerr's like, hello, I can be in it. And everyone's like, no, you can't be in it. You're Wendy Crozier. Hang on a minute. Maybe Wendy Crozier could be doing this for a living now. I don't know. But anyway, it was an okay story. There were just bits of it that uh, didn't really sit right with me. But I think it's time to move on. So Gemma, tell me all about Summer Job. And that's not kind of anything sexy or kinky that she did not give to Aaron in bed no, on Friday's Michael, episode. On Monday, Billy tells Summer that she needs to start thinking about what she's going to do now she's not going to university. And um, I, I think she's a bit surprised, really, because I think she thinks some holidays named after her and every, she gets August <laughs> off every year. But no, that's not the case. You have to have a job. So she says, oh, I'm going to look for jobs. And Billy's like, hmm, I, I, th- I think you should actually go to university. Billy's like, jobs don't just fall out of the sky, you know. Really? You can't just look at, you can't just say, I'm going to decide for a job one day and then by lunchtime you've got one. That doesn't happen, does it? That's silly. Jacob tells her that the factory has a PA job going because the management is, is not bloated enough there. Who'd have thought? They've got too many machinists and not enough people supervising them and fannying around and making deals go sour. Yeah. So Summer goes to Underworld to try and get Carla to give her the job and Carla says, um, I don't really think this is the job for you. You were you wanted to go to Oxford the other day and Summer says, no, I want to do this. I want to get my foot on the ladder now. It's my dream. I want to be PA to you, Carla. It's been my life's dream, my ambition. There's no point doing this in three years when I can do it now. And and um, God, it's like, that's the sort of go-getting attitude that I want to hear. 
And then Beth comes in and she's not very happy about this because she wanted to break into management and she came to a meeting last year and everything. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yep, yep. Uh, She borrowed Sarah Louise's and um, who used to have it? What? Clipboard. Dirk. Sophie Webster. Yeah. I I wonder, I'd I'd really like to ask Lisa George, like, is it really, really draining to play such a massive cow all this time? I love her. I'd really... Do you? Yeah, I love... Um, I hate Beth. Beth, I mean, she also looked great this week too. I, I just think it must be a bit rubbish to, to be a character that genuinely lots of viewers used to really like and she used to be kind of nice and, and, and she was like very mama bearish to Craig and everything and she she maybe got her knickers into us every so often but now literally every time that Beth opens her mouth it's no, just I think to be it might be quite people. funny. Oh, I anyway, need, I Beth... really need to tone her down. Carla tells Beth where to go. So, Summer and Billy go to the bistro to celebrate her job. <laughs> Billy's... Billy's like, well, you know what? I was wrong. You showed me, Summer. You can get a job just by thinking it. You ask the universe and it happens. You manifested your destiny. Billy says it's a stopgap before she gets her results. And she says, no, I've always wanted to be a PA. <laughs> so, on Wednesday, she's dressed up for her first day at the factory. She's excited, but she's nervous. And Beth's still being carried to her. And uh, Sally's trying to get her to back off and tell someone to come and see her if Beth causes her any trouble. Then um, we see Summer having lunch with Aaron in the pub and he's telling her about how he's in trouble at the carriage about his drag thing. And he's like, oh, ow, I've got a pain. And then he says, I've got jumps on the way home. He shows her a nasty bruise. He's he's like, on let me just take my shirt off and titillate the audience. I've been on the show for like two months and I've not done a shirtless shot yet. So hello, well, heat, ladies. Heat Magazine isn't going to do the centrefold of me, so I'll show you right now. <laughs> Circle of shame, giant bruise. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, yeah, he, he reckons he was mugged and he, and she says, um, go to the police. And, he's, and he says, no, I shall not. <laughs> <laughs> Summer and Aaron meet up again in Victoria Gardens later and they're having a nice time and he's still going oh ow oh my side um, caress me Summer later on he's on the phone and he's talking to somebody and he's very worried and concerned and he's sort of making excuses for why he's not home yet and it looks like he's being told off or mm. guilt, having a guilt trip or something and Summer comes in and he says oh yeah anyway thanks officer see you later bye and makes excuses, gives her a kiss and, and leaves. Mysterious. So on Friday, Billy tells Summer that she's going to go back. He's going to be back later today because he's got a church fundraiser and he needs to put the chairs out. Which, if that's what a bishop does, archdeacon, sorry, then sign me up because I could do that as well. <laughs> um, Gemma, it's not all about stacking chairs. It's also about giving out soup in the, to soup. the homeless. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Um, Some says, oh, can I have the girls over for a pampering evening? Um, so she invites them over, she invites Amy, Amy and, and uh, they say, why, why are you asking us when you've got an empty flat? Why should you ask Aaron over? Amy Barlow. I know, Amy's a randy she's, little... She, she's got a dirty mind, that young girl. I always thought, you know, she was a bit more sensible and chaste than that. But look, you Amy get, yourself, Barlow. get yourself knocked up when you're, how old was she? 14, don't, 15, and suddenly it's all like sex, sex, sex. Don't shame her, she's just a hoe. <laughs> That's Amy Ball Ho, that's what she should be called. <laughs> that's just how she wants to live her life. It's she's fine. just very free it's about She's her a modern woman. Shagging about. So she's gonna so someone decides to invite her um him I over. suppose if I mean with that Amy in a presumably um uh sexually active relationship with Jacob, she's like, Well, 
Surely everybody should be doing it. It's great. Just go shagging about. But What's wrong with why you're making very No no I'm not are, I just I just don't I just find it difficult because, when characters it's grow up. Them grow up, isn't it? That's and they're like little oh, girls. Just, like naughty it girls. Is, it is. I feel very paternal have... towards some of these characters. I'm like, no, you're too young for all that, <laughs> Come on, Amy, you're just a wee little girl. So anyway what would Nana Blanche say. Asha brings Summer a slinky dress in the factory and she tries to put it on but it's too small. No, she's too fat. She's right, so that's what she thinks. So and then Ash is like, oh, I thought that you'd fit that because it wouldn't fit me and, and things like that. And it makes her feel bad about herself. Um, so, she, so she wears this like incredibly unflattering kind of weird black sack dress. <laughs> and Aaron comes round and um, they, they have a little kiss on the bed and she wants to take it further. And then he says, are you okay? And he says, and she says, yes. And then he touches her leg uh, right at the top of her thigh and I think because that's quite a that's like probably your largest part of your body isn't it if you're a woman the top of your thigh is quite it's quite it's wide it's because of the way women are shaped we have bigger thighs and bums that and was hips. getting a bit racy that scene wasn't it well put a stop to that didn't she because she I didn't know, I was like thinking, it how far is this gonna go she she says oh no she gets panicking and she she tells him he's got to go so Billy and Todd get back later and they're and, and then you you mentioned this, didn't you? So oh, yeah. they come back and they're really shocked because she admits that Aaron was there. And Todd gets really really kind of defensive of her and starts going, Where You're is alone he? alone in the flat of the boy. Where is where is he? And I was like, guys in about a week or two's time, you're going to be sending her off to another country to enjoy a sexy summer holiday with this boy. What do you think they're going to be doing? Building sandcastles together? I think it they just, probably think that, yeah. It just felt really bizarre. It was. That, that, I mean, and we said at the time that they were very accepting of their decision to go on holiday together, you know, without any any supervising adults. So maybe it was, I don't know, I, I, I just can't. I can't get my head around why they were so shocked about it when they seem very liberal about their relationship up to this point. And that's what I think about that. So they all get defensive, and then, and, but Summer, Summer kind of calms them down. Then she catches up with Aaron in Victoria Street later and says, oh, I'm really sorry, I just didn't want you to see me undressed. And then Aaron says, oh, you're so gorgeous. I know you feel insecure. I'd love to see you undressed, honestly. <laughs> and she says, I'll try to make myself more confident so I'll be okay for us to go on holiday. And he says, look, should we just cancel it if you're going to be like this? <laughs> well, he's nice, isn't he? He says, look, if you feel like it's putting pressure on you, maybe we shouldn't go. He doesn't say it in a nasty way, does no, he? No, he doesn't. She takes it really it, badly. I don't think he's trying to manipulate her. But no. he certainly could, you know manipulate her Aaron is Mr Nice Guy at the moment he hasn't got a manipulative what bone is he in his up body. to he's definitely lying about something yeah but um well yeah, I, I think it's obvious what's going on mm. um she goes back home all miserable tells Billy and Todd what's happened says Aaron's broken up with her she wants to go to bed and Billy sympathises with her she goes oh why why isn't it, isn't it rubbish when people break up with you so um yeah so what's going on with Aaron then well I think he's being abused abusive home, parents maybe I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not as simple as that. Maybe he like lives with his grandma or his brother or his cousin, or he's being fostered by someone or something more complicated than that. But it certainly just looked like he's being manipulated and and sort of physically abused by somebody. And we know that he had an eating disorder. He said that before, and he's got his diabetes. But it does make me wonder, like, is he lying about some of these some of these things? Yeah, maybe. Um, 
And also how difficult must it be for him to manage his diabetes if he's also in an abusive household? Because sometimes um, carers and parents can abuse you in a kind of medical way. You know, I don't believe you've got anything wrong with you or I don't think you're kind of just being silly and playing it up. You know, I don't, you should, you don't, you don't have diabetes. I'm not going to get you any of this insulin. You're just playing it up for the doctors kind of thing. I wonder if they mm. could go down that route because that's... Are you are you getting at all Curtis vibes from Aaron? Because, you know, Mr. Nice Guy, something funny and medical about him. Don't know whether you can trust him. He's got a secret that he's keeping from the very sweet, innocent girlfriend that's a main character on the programme, you know? I guess so. I don't know that he's lying so much as not divulging all the information. Also, if he's being abused, I can't see how he's going to be able to get away. Like... On the phone, it seemed like he was being harangued for not going back at a certain time when he was supposed to be back home and he was late or something. Mm. So why is he allowed to go on a holiday? What's going <laughs> yeah, on there? Maybe, well, maybe they don't know. Maybe, maybe he's his... broken up with um, Summer because he actually can't go on holiday anymore and he's trying to find a way out of find it. Find a way of weaseling out of it, maybe. I was also wondering as well that if, if his parents or carers or whoever's there with him are physically abusive to him, you'd think that he would have... No, lots of different bruises on him and not just this most recent one so if he was going to get his kit off for summer in today's episode you might have seen that and that then it might well, have been the jigs up for him he's but. also not very good at hiding it either like oh ow no I'm nothing wrong with me oh ow my pain in my side <laughs> like come on Aaron yeah I'm <laughs> I'm struggling to completely despise or have no interest in this because I, I, I do kind of like them as a couple Summer, you know, I I prefer the old summer, but I, I think that they're yeah, quite... Yeah, Summer's robot's not here today, everybody, I'm sorry. I, I, I think I, Michael forgot. No, I didn't forget. Good. You, you've made your feelings on Summer's robot very clear. Oh, that's right, blame me, call me the <laughs> party pooper. Um, no, I, I, I kind of like them together. Summer's a bit dull, Aaron's a bit dull, but they're fairly inoffensive. And, and when we had that scene with him on the phone to his whoever it is on Wednesday... That was the most I've ever been interested in him. So I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't go, you know, any further into that mystery on Friday. I hope we get to see a bit more of it next week. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Um, any Anything to add, Gemma? We all done with this story? Yep. Thoughts? Done. Done? Okay. Is there I need to Le- say? Leftover stew. Mmm. Mm. So... I said last week that this story was going a bit slow and that actually had a decent amount of time given over to it on Monday and Wednesday's episodes at least this week. Um, I have to find another excuse for finding it a little bit dull now. So Stu is looking troubled on Monday's episode. He heads off for the morning. Um, Yasmin tells Alia that she's having no luck in tracking down Bridget. She's going to talk to some woman at the library, which is apparently not burned down anymore, who it looks like, who, who's like Miss Marple. I don't know if she looks like her. She acts like her anyway. And she's going to go, she's going to do a bit of hunting down of this Bridget woman. So, um, we get introduced after that to some handsome supplier, potential supplier, I don't know who he is, Matt, who comes into speed dial, and Ali is all goggly-eyed over him, which upsets Ryan somewhat, and um, you'd be forgiven for being a little bit in, a bit confused about what the romantic status is between Ryan and Ali up to this point, because I couldn't remember where they're up to at the moment, could you, going into this week? Yeah. I'd like... I know that I know they split up over the over the Daisy thing, 
about a year ago, but I couldn't remember when they got back together again. But anyway, he's obviously still holding the torch for her. Yasmin comes back to the beast, uh, speed dial, sorry, later, and Stu says, ooh, I've sent Ryan on an early break because he's really peeved about this mat. And Yasmin says, well, Juliet the library has been very, very helpful in my search for Bridget online. Um, apparently, she's changed her name. We found an old article in the Gazette about her opening a shop and she, she's not she's not Bridget Carpenter anymore. She's she's something else. And um, anyway, we've got we've got an address for her, so you can always go and, ha and have a hunt for her there. And Stu is not particularly um, impressed to hear that she's been uh, digging around in his past. Um, and then Alia says, "Look, it's my fault. I, I encouraged her to do it." But Stu gets um, very annoyed about this and storms off because um, getting angry at somebody for no particular reason is a theme for this week's episodes. He ends up in Victoria Gardens with R. Kelly talking about a shared interest in estranged family members. Oh, my, my dad left me. Oh, my wife left me. Oh, my daughter left me. Oh, my mum left me. Aren't we tragic? Aren't our lives awful? And she says, look, just go easy on Yasmin. She has your best interests at heart after all. So, we then see Stu turning up at a bit of a posh house. And it reminded me very much of the area where they filmed Grassmere Drive. Did you get those vibes from the front of Bridget's house? Yes, Bit posh, bit yeah. fancy. The door wasn't rectangular. It had a bit of a triangle on the top of it. Very nice. Anyway, we get to meet Bridget, who answers the door, immediately tries to close it when she sees it's her old dad there. Um, and he says, oh, hear me out, Bridget. I didn't hurt that girl, I swear it. Hmm, mystery. But she shuts the door in his face, even so. Um, we also, and I didn't know which storyline to put this in, we also have Stephen turning up at Speed Dial uh, later, and he's been all flirty with Yasmin, because it turns out that Elaine is yesterday's news, and now he's got the hots for Yaz. So, Stu turns up at Speed Dial later, Yasmin says, look, I'm really sorry about poking my nose around in your, in your history. And he says, no, no, it's I should be the one that's saying sorry. I overreacted. Anyway, I went to the address that you gave me. Bridget wasn't there. Let's just move on with this now and forget about her. Don't renew it. Uh, um, um, go, go, go and have a chat with Stephen. He, he's, he's, he's willing to forgive her, but he's still, um, yeah, just a bit knocked that she, was, that she was sniffing around in his personal life. Anyway... Um, Stephen finishes off on his lovely curry and then they ask Yasmin out on a date later and she's like, oh, go on then. She goes and tells Alia, although she's not really into Stephen at all. She says that he just, she describes him as being a bit too polished. Um, Stu sees them leaving together. He's a bit knocked about that. Um, they end up going to the bistro. They were going to go to have lunch in Chortonville, but because Kevin's not managed to fix his car, they can't go. This... I, one thing I noticed about this week's Coronation Street that didn't really affect the notes too much is that lots of the stories kind of crossed over with each other. Did you kind of notice that? Yeah. Stephen was poking his nose in everyone's business this week. And well, there was also a scene today when people were walking down Victoria Street and mm. there was like a row of three people and each of them had their own little story like, that we... Tag, now it's time for your story. Yeah. Pass, the, pass the baton. Yeah, but anyway... Uh, so that's what's going on with Stephen there. Uh, they see Billy in the bistro who tells her um, to tell Stu that I've, he's got a book that he was asking about, about homeless person over overcoming adversity. Um, and then in Victoria Gardens at the end of the episode, Jasmine finds Stu there. She says she's ditched Stephen in favour of him because Stephen's um, a bit of a, a bit of a git, a bit of a posh git. 
Um, and she says, look, I just want to hang out with my homie. And that's you, Stu, by the way. And he says, I want to be more than just homies. And she's like, well, look, they just need to take things slow at the moment. Still recovering from Jeff. So that's how we kind of leave things on Monday's episode. And that scene, by the way, little story about that. So at the beginning of June, I was speaking to Shelley King um, because that's when she did her recording for the um, quiz. For the quiz. Yes, and I was asking her. Yes, yes, yes. And I was asking her, you know, how, how she's been at work. Is she? Because she's Yasmin had been a bit quiet recently um, when I recorded that, and she says, "Oh, just been recording a scene outside, and it was absolutely freezing cold, and it was supposed to be the middle of summer, and we were all there with coats on and being freezing, and it's a little romantic scene with me and with Yasmin and Stu. So I think that that was possibly it. So there we go. That was quite nice when I saw and that. That's happening. why. It looked cold. Because it was in our little cold snap at the beginning of June when they were filming that and not in the heat wave that we're currently enduring. Wednesday, Yasmin fills Alia in about the whole stew situation with Bridget. Um, she also tries to kind of dig for details about her and Matt. Or maybe you're still holding a torch for Ryan, Yasmin says, but Alia won't say. Um, then later on, we get an old mate of Stu's who comes into speed dial. Very happy to see each other. This bloke, is he, did he used to be homeless? Was that what it was? Um, um they, I don't, I'm not sure, he, but they, they, they obviously had some shared. kind of shared history, but now he's got a job as a greeter in Freshco's and he's waiting on a flat and everything. And Stu says, look, I'll get you some food. Um, but then he pays for it himself, doesn't he? He puts some of his own money in the till because this bloke hasn't got anything to... To give himself. Well, he came in and he wanted just wanted onion bhajis, and then Stu was like, "Oh, you have to have more than that." And he says, "Oh, you know, I can't really afford it." I'm thinking, why did you go into Speed Dial if you only have enough money to buy onion bhajis? Why would you not just go to Roy's Royal and have like a full meal or the co-op or or literally anywhere? That's the most expensive place to eat on the on the on street. Victoria Street. Yeah, but he just likes a good Indian. Maybe does, he just likes onion bhajis. Maybe he did only really. Maybe he's on a diet. The onion bhaji diet, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, Yasmin spots Stu putting this money in the till and she says, oh, it's very kind of you. And she gives him a peck on the cheek. And Stu says, he comes up with a genius brainwave idea that we could tackle food waste by giving free leftover food to people who are skint. Or does he say they're going to like sell some leftover food at re reduced prices or something? Yeah, they said they were going to do that. Yeah, they sticker yellow sticker in thing. Um, so, so at the end of the episode, they're all, all the local business owners, so there's there's Nina representing Roy's, there's Dev, there's a few others I can't remember, all getting together about how they're going to tackle food waste, which is a nice little um, up-to-date, um, modern, relevant topic. Um, Friday, that kind of, that bit of the story falls off and it's just a bit more about Alia and, and, and Ryan and their lack of relationship and... Um, he he ends up quitting at the bistro, doesn't he? Because she doesn't believe him that they're out of prawns. And then he starts telling her about, well, if you weren't falling over, Matt, maybe you'd have noticed. I thought more would come out of this missing bag of prawns. Yeah, there was nothing. Day, it? Nothing happened. Um, so anyway, they go. He goes back to the pub, does Ryan, and he has a grumble to Jenny about it. Maybe I should just move away to Ibiza. Um, Debbie offers him work at the bistro. See, this is another story that kind of crossed over another. Maybe I should have put this in the Debbie storyline. Just remember this for later, everybody. Um, Ryan goes back to Speeddale later, sees Alia flirting with Matt for a little bit more, and he heads off again. And like I said, you have to wait for the Debbie story to find out what happened with Ryan there. So, Gemma, what are your thoughts on Stu's leftover Stu storyline? Um, uh... Come on. 
I want to hear some passion about this. Give me your full, honest, frank opinions about about what's going on with the leftover food story. Well, this is all good and interesting, isn't it? But no, nobody's pointed out any problems with it. Like, you know, businesses always say, "Oh, we can't. Oh, liable. Blah blah." Why would anybody buy food if you could just get it for free after a certain amount of time or whatever? I mean, I think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, more more places seem to be doing it because we we use this um too good to go app, don't we? Yeah. Wait, do you want to te- yeah, do you want to do We're a bit of an adverts for that? Maybe that gives some free food. It's just an app that you can download, and um, it tells you what's available in your area and it's usually discounted quite a lot um it's but you can't pick what it is so after a certain time in the day food will be available for you to go and pick up sometimes they cancel it that's the annoying thing yeah. but it's different like um carveries some carveries do it starbucks does it costa does it and you'll just go there and they'll sort of give you a bag of croissants and a sandwich or something. Yeah, we had a really it, nice experience in London, didn't we, with Instead that. of it costing, like, £10, it'll cost you £2.50 or something. Yeah, we did it with Starbucks as well one time last year and they just gave us a load of vegan food. They gave us vegan porridge, vegan tuna sandwiches, some croissants, which were, which were nice. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, weird... Stuff we would never have wanted to eat. Yeah, it's it, it's not a bad idea for a for a initiative. I'm not sure yet how it's going to actually be a story, um, other than a just very generic. Oh look, everybody! Well, tackling food waste, aren't we great on Coronation? It's Street? kind of interesting because we only just had Spider and Toya going through Dev's bins. Oh yes, and Dev did. was one of the people that came to this meeting about food waste. Oh yeah, maybe th- maybe that's how they're going to get Spider back into it. And um, wasn't Dev was saying, "Oh, is it going to be good for business? I'm going to join a sustainable business organization and get a sticker." And they were like, "Oh, is it recyclable or something?" And he was like, "I think it will be. Sus- I think that the sustainable business sticker will be sustainable," which I thought was really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very true. If they get Spider and his uh, and his homeless chummies involved in this, maybe I'll be a bit more interested. But it was in it. kind of it was. He wouldn't mind getting all the free vegan food from Starbucks. He'd love no, he'd it. love it. It was kind of funny that Dev was like, oh, nobody nobody was saying anything like, why should I bother? This seems like more effort for me and I'm not going to get anything out of it. Which I think is not a completely unreasonable response. Maybe it's not the one that people want to hear. And, uh, but you can't deny that lots of people don't do stuff because they just can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you mean. So the fact that everyone was just really on board with this, a bit suspicious. <laughs> um, so what what do you reckon about um, Stu's secret about, oh, I didn't hurt that girl? What's going What's on What's going on? Why, why did he say that? When did that come out? When he was at Bridget's house and she was oh. refusing to let him in. So this is clearly, we found out the reason as to why they're estranged. Now, if Coronation Street is brave and makes this like a properly horrific sort of crime or terrible thing that Stu has been accused of I would be actually quite impressed with them but you know it's going to be something he didn't actually do or it's oh, all going to get totally cleared innocent. up at the end like, I'm not thinking in the in the slightest that he actually did what he's been accused of yeah 
But is it like... But is it going to be something stupid, like where he takes the blame for somebody for no reason and therefore is estranged for his He's very honourable. And then it turns too. out that he was in the right all along and he did the he did the right thing, whereas actually, no, that seems like a bit of an arsehole thing to do to your kid to like pretend you committed a crime when you actually didn't, mm. just to cover for somebody else. Did you get the impression that it was a... You know he's he's physically hurt someone, or is this a you know an underage um, <laughs> is is due a bit of a pedo van man kind of story? I don't know. I'm or... I'm like like it doesn't matter because he didn't do it. Mm. It's gonna be he's gonna be completely exonerated and innocent. If if I know Coronation Street, which I think I might do. <laughs> I I wondering whether like Bridget's gonna turn up at Speed Dial one day. And... It's, it's like is this person accused him falsely? Yeah, because if they're going ahead with this uh, this drive to do um, yellow stickering and whatnot, that might end up with them having a lovely photo in the Gazette, mightn't it? Yeah. Bridget sees her dad in the Gazette and she's at like, Speed Dial. I can't dial. believe, Dad, you would do this and yeah. you hurt that girl. She, she turns up at Speed Dial, tells Yasmin, do you know who you're getting yourself into here? The notorious girl hurter Stu Carpenter, what? and then Je- and then Yasmin is like, "I knew it. You are exactly like Jeff, just he as I suspected." Um, and then he'll say, "No, I then, didn't do it. Yeah. It was a misunderstanding." Kind of feels like it's going to go that way, but yeah. you know, I, I I quite often get my get it in my head exactly how a story's going to go. We like to get our knickers in a twist about things that don't happen. I do love to get our knickers in a twist about things that haven't happened. Yeah, yeah. But um, at, at least the story is starting to move on a little bit now, which is nice, as is the, the rekindling of the Ali and Ryan romance. And I think a lot of people seem to be quite pro those two as a couple when they were dating, weren't they? It did fall into the usual Corrie trap of never ever show a couple together so you can't form any real idea about what they're like as a, as a partnership. But I know, and it really annoys me because I gave Coronation Street a really plausible like solution to like break them up as to why they would be incompatible and it just turned out they just got mad and jealous of each other. Yeah. Um, I assume they'll get back together at the end of this as well. It's kind of working its way up to that. But the thing is about it, like that they're basically incompatible, like I said before... Ollie is very driven and ambitious and Ryan is just a coaster and a dreamer. Mm. Like he's even talking today in, we haven't talked about the storyline, but in the, in the bistro, he was like, oh, I want to go, or was it in the Rovers? He's talking to Jenny. Oh, I want to just go to Ibiza with my friends and buy a bar or something. Like, (sighs) but I think that's the problem. Sometimes it doesn't really matter whether a pair of characters are compatible or not. If the powers that be decide, put these two together then they'll just throw them together anyway. Yeah. Um, well, go on. Let's, let's move on to the, the Debbie story and find out what else Ryan's been getting up to then, Gemma. Over to you. Wednesday. Well, it's poor Debbie, isn't it? She's in She's under a, in under her head as far as um, money is concerned. Over so on my, Isn't that the phrase? I don't know. She's up to her <laughs> elbows and something, according to somebody else this week. On Wednesday, Ronnie suggests that Debbie does theme nights at the bistro to raise cash. So, she has a genius idea, she has a psychic night and a casino night. And Leanne is not very happy about this um, psychic night. And she moans about Nick, moans to Nick about it later. And I don't know why she didn't actually say, uh, did she say this to Debbie? She must have said it, we must have just missed it. She's just so mardy and moany, she's gone back to being miserable Leanne again. Gosh, she she? was sour-faced this week, wasn't she Leanne? She was very difficult to like this week. Yes, she has had a bit of an experience with dodgy psychics just last year. 
But I mean, that turned out to be more um, Simon's fault, wasn't it? Because it was a sidekick that came over to see Leanne when she was mourning Oliver and saying, oh, Oliver's left you a feather. But then it turned out that it was Ryan, putting, not no. Ryan, sorry, Simon, putting feathers all over the place. I can't remember whether the sidekick actually did, you know, try and screw her over. But anyway, Leanne's decided that sidekicks are all a bunch of charlatans. And <coughs> so how dare Debbie even suggest having a themed night around one? Well, Debbie thinks As they're all... the casinos. Oh, Debbie thinks they're all a bit of fun, doesn't she? She doesn't really care. On Friday, um, she's getting ready for it, and the answer's just being sarky about it still. And Debbie goes leafleting out in the street, and Deb's there, like, wearing wearing this very Parisian-looking um, Breton top. top. He just needed a yeah. spring of onions and like, a beret. Hello, hello, hello. He's like, bonjour. And I said to you, did Jimmy Harkinson ad-lib that bonjour? Because it's the sort of thing that he would do, isn't yep. it? Not that I've ever met him or known him or anything, but no. I can just see Jimmy Harkinson just for just for fun, <laughs> saying bonjour instead of hello. And then, uh, and he then, said, oh, then Sue Giovanni just had to kind of roll with it. Because yeah. her reaction felt like, oh, we're going here, are we, Jimmy? Bonjour, <laughs> monsieur. You know? I yeah. want... Oh, I tell you what, I'd love Jimmy Harkison to do one of the um, Corey uh, special guest... Oh my gosh, if they did a star tour with Jimmy Harkison, uh, I'd be all the, over it. There's one we'll in September. Of, there, there, there were a few coming up. Just wait, until, up. just wait until the cabin section, Jimmy. I absolutely out. love Jimmy Harkison. Maybe I don't want to meet him, because I love him so much. <laughs> they say never meet a hero, don't they? <laughs> Could he live up to my expectations? I don't know, because I think incredibly highly of him <laughs> so anyway French Dev's like oh I guess you know no, it just sounds so good um, then she gets into a war of words with Bernie who is asking her for compensation for Paul because he's traumatised over what happened to Ed at her hotel I was expecting Bernie to be super into the idea of a psychic night and come and be the like a rival psychic or oh, yeah, stick a roar in and she? be like um, trying to flog tarot crystals. cards. It's all about the crystals. Yeah, yeah. I think have probably would... done it cheaper than psychic Sylvia. Definitely. So, um, Leanne then has another rant. You've written a mother rant, but it was, I guess, a mother rant, wasn't it? <laughs> At Debbie, after hearing that she's taken on Ryan without consulting her, and Debbie looks like she's gonna follow in Kevin's footsteps and smash something up until Ronnie comes and calms her down, and she's like, "Look." I don't know what to do anymore about the only option left is an insurance job. Oh, I'm only joking. Ha <laughs> ha. Or am I? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> then we get Sienna, the psychic, turning up, which was really funny because she was... Looked nothing like her Instagram picture or her... Sorry, poster her picture. Poster picture, which was filtered and uh, tweaked to the nines. And um, Debbie was like... What's happened? <laughs> What's happened to your face? <laughs> so um, she then immediately goes. She's got all these bits of paper, hasn't she? That she's written down notes about people, and she goes up to Toya and she says, "Oh, is your name Toya? Oh, I've got a message from somebody called Imran. He says it's not your fault." And Leanne's like really furious. And I, I tell you what, whenever off. this trial's going to happen, I think they need to get psychic Sylvia. She can on be the a character air. witness. She can, can't she? She's like, I'm going to channel Imran Habib. <laughs> he says it's not her fault, uh, Your Honour. Okay, case That's dismissed. All the evidence I need, yeah. <laughs> So, um, Leanne doesn't like this, as you might have guessed. She gets furious, and I think... She, she and Toya end up just leaving in the end, don't, don't they? Yeah, Toya looks a bit like... Um, well, yeah, when when the woman says, or oh, Imran says it's not your fault, Toya almost does give a look of, 
But really? it is my fault. <laughs> it's either that or it's a case of, you know, this woman's onto something here. Maybe she is psychic. Does Toya believe in psychics? Why not? They head off to Leanne's flat and Toya says that she's exchanged a few messages with Spider. Um, then we cut back to uh, the bistro and Sienna is chatting up Ryan. Um, and she's like, oh, I can tell that you like beaches because you look like sort of vacuous idiot that would she spend like their bum. holiday enjoying the beach, which is the most boring <laughs> holiday destination, as we all know. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, where do you where do you like? And then she says a bunch of places and then she says I've been through he's like how did you know well yeah she just does a classic what's it it's called cold reading is it it's where yeah you just say a load of say things a load until, of somebody words says. until somebody says that's me I've got a dead granddad how did you know <laughs> oh was he was he salt of the earth did he like to go and sit oh, in his shed really friendly yeah family. did he give you Werther's originals really into families yeah. did he like Yorkshire puddings <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so Sienna's in talking to him and um, he says she kind of tells him that there's an, a gig abroad waiting for him or something yeah she's going over to Ibiza herself next week she's going can I can tell that there's a job in Ibiza for you because I'm offering it to you <laughs> that's right because psychics can make their own future um, but he's like oh we can't afford to go and then Debbie seems to have an idea and she gets completely sozzled and she starts confessing to Ryan about how in debt she is and she says I've got a plan and this is an original plan that nobody's ever thought of before. This has never happened before on current. And it certainly Street. never happened in exactly the same spot. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a member of your family that was involved in it the last time it happened as well. Do you know the old Connor story of the, the Bistro, Bistro Ninja? Ninja. <laughs> He's like, oh, he's doing about this all the time. <laughs> oh, so that was she so funny. says, she basically says, stage a break in and I'll give you enough money to go and fulfil your dreams. And I'll get out of my debts. Yeah, as soon as Te- Debbie kind of put this idea to Ryan, Gemma and I both looked at each other and were like, Beast Ninja! Ninja. <laughs> Time to make t-shirts. This is an Ian Kershaw episode as well. And and that would have just shown how much of a fan of Conversation Street he is if he'd been able to work the words Bistro Ninja well, yeah, into if, that script if, somehow. If, if, um, if Ryan had said something like, what do you mean, I'm not some kind of ninja, we would have gone, ah! <laughs> Thank you for calling... Yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't quite go that far, but um that's the plan at the moment. We will find out soon enough whether he's stupid enough to try to attempt this. This is Ryan, he is. Oh well, I mean Michelle was Runs in the jeans. Equally as dumb. Well, I think this could be quite fun because I think it's going to be like it might, it could like play out as like a heist on Casino Night. Or like Ocean. You could Ocean's Eleven it, couldn't they? Except um, without the charisma, charm, or intelligence. Yeah, the the eleven is his IQ. I think. Um, I think. I think. <laughs> no, I think that him him doing it. I think, I, I, I don't want to build my hopes up with this, but this could be a really fun heisty kind of episode, couldn't it? Bumbling. If it's done when everyone's dressed up, dripping with diamonds and fake costumes. They jewelry. can't do this seriously. No, they this can't. Is not the first time. It's not even like it happened in the dim and distant Coronation Street past. This there, happened... There have been Beastro Ninjas a number of times in the show. Not before. that long ago. I mean, within the last 10 years, because we talked about it on the show. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, so I, I also... Quite... Yeah, I'm not totally down on the idea, even though we've had it before, as long as it's been done in a different, from a different perspective. Like, it was kind of semi-serious when... Um, 
it was, you know, done for drama when Michelle did it, but it just turned into a bit of a farce. Mm. Whereas if they made it a farce from the out, and the <laughs> fact that it's Ryan doing it gives me a bit of hope that it's going to be a bit of a bumbling. Well, yeah, I like Ryan. Yeah. R- R- um, yeah, Ryan Prescott is, is a, is a decent a kind of comic bumbling actor at times. And I think it could be it could be well done. I like the idea of everything dressed up in, in casino themes. I thought the Psychic Night itself tonight was quite fun. Um, and yeah, it, it could go. It could go well. Obviously, he's going to get caught. I don't think that this is going to be the the end to Debbie's problems. Me thinks things might get worse for for Ms. Webster rather than better after this idea. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 kind of into into this. I liked her talking to Ryan about explaining about all her businesses. I can't remember because I don't understand. She business. said they were all like leveraged against the other one. Yeah. So she's got all these business. She's got all these businesses, but actually she's got no money, and I, I don't understand it. He he was basically saying like I was like that when I'm broke, it means I have got no yeah. money. When you're broke, it means you've got eight hotels and a and a salon and, and a brewery. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but she still had the gall to stand there. This is what's wrong with this country. There are so many people like this. She's got the gall to stand there and go, hey, well, Ryan, you know, you don't understand exactly what I mean because at the end of the day, she says, in between drinking champagne from a glass that she owns in a in a bistro that she only half owns, that all the places that she owns, she only owns because she's kind of mm. finagled it. But she still admitted that she owned half the bistro and that's more than Ryan's got in his <laughs> life. And also, he's not the one drinking champagne, is he? And also, you've got an amazing collection of earrings, which at the end of the day, oh, what else do you need? Don't sell off the earrings. She could do a charity auction. She could do a, um, like, we did, we had Bet Lynch's... Uh, oh, yeah, the other year. Yeah. A charity. Um, I'd buy a pair. Did you enjoy Psychic Sienna, or was she a bit too silly for your taste? I liked it, yeah. I'm sure that people that like and believe in psychics found it to be disrespectful but <laughs> even people who believe in psychic powers must admit that there are a few charlatans knocking about yes i, th- I thought that she played the character well i mean it was a it was a very you very know silly. It, it was tried and tested i don't think it was particularly a new spin on the on the and the charlatan psychic. psychic kind of angle what was it but i liked when it she was, yeah. I liked when she was saying oh, now say goodbye to your granddad wave him off there he goes there he goes and, and the woman she was talking like, about waving by. Um, yeah, she was fun. I don't think we'll see her again. It reminded me a little bit, and I must have shown you this episode before, um, from the 90s. Do you remember when Alec Gilroy had, um, like, a psychic act in the Rovers, and it was a mother and son act, and um, he he was... Um, no, and part, part of the act was something like a, a member of the public would give the mum an item of clothing, and then... He, and I would give him an item of clothing, and the mum would have a would be blindfolded, and the mum, being a psychic, would have to see oh, what it was. Maybe I and, do remember. Um, and, and he and the son would drop hints in the in the yeah. phrases that he was telling his mum that made her go, "Oh, it's a watch," um, because it's he time said, for the next one. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me of that a little bit, but uh, no, it was, it was quite fun. Um, all, all, all good fun and nothing too serious particularly. And like I said before, very happy that Debbie has got a storyline. Um, so this also ties into, um, speaking of Debbie's businesses, we have got the salon. And uh, again, may, maybe we missed it. Has anything been said about Debbie's financial situation is slightly better at the moment because the Platts are leasing the salon from but are her? are they? Because I thought she said she didn't want to. Well, I think that 
Well, I think they've done it. I don't now. think they, they probably... did. I mean, they, they let her in and everything, and they've they've. Um, well, I tell you re- what, rent, re- they've redecorated inside and things. They've probably them, got it for a month at least. If Debbie let them go in there and redecorate the whole place without signing the lease first, then she is stupid business. <laughs> she is a bit. Isn't she? Anyway, um, so Monday, Audrey is visited by Becky, the psychiatric liaison lady. It's important to note here that psychics and psychiatric liaisons are two different two different sorts things. of people. Yes. Um, because we were last left on Friday, weren't we, with the uh, with the uh, bombshell that she possibly took an overdose of sleeping pills. And Audrey just wants people to stop fussing around. She says, oh, I just miscounted my pills. When can I go home? And Becky says, look, it's quicker if you're honest with me. Uh, and then you can just get off home. But apparently it works because the next time we see Audrey, she's buggering off from hospital. Um, Stephen's there. No, she's on the phone to Stephen, isn't she? And then she gets into a taxi, um, which Ed sees because he has also just been discharged from hospital after his electrocution um, ordeal. So later on, Audrey's in the pub with Sarah <laughs> Louise. It's such a co- coronation stream, my goodness. They're always at the hospital for one reason or another. He's, she's in because she's uh, taken an overdose and he's in because he got electrocuted by a radiator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Coronation Street ward is now just got Closed. an empty bed in it. Yeah. Um, anyway, she's she's with Sarah Lou in the pub later, and she, um, Audrey says she, she's just saying, "I'm fine, I'm fine. Stop talking to me about um, stop talking to, to me about everything." Um, oh yeah, Ed comes over, doesn't he? And he's like, um, "How are you doing? I saw you at the hospital. Is everything all right?" And Audrey's like, "Oh, Sarah Louise, I was just there meeting my friend Barbara." And, and Sarah's Barbara like, I've, I've never heard of any Barbaras. I'm a bit I don't believe that Audrey doesn't know at least five Barbaras. I know. All old people know somebody called Barbara, yeah. don't they? Um, and Audrey's got probably also, a very Sarah, you don't wide even... social circle. Yeah, was she talking about Sarah? Does it, you don't even know what her friends are called, <laughs> but you don't even know what her mum was called. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Audrey is swearing that she's not keeping anything at all from the Platts. And Sarah says, hmm, I don't know whether I believe you. Um, so Wednesday, oh yeah, this is, it was mentioned. Wednesday, De- I've forgotten about this completely. Debbie tells Audrey that the lease is ready to sign if you want it. The whole of Wednesday's episode, it was actually, correct, exact, everything I just said, is Wednesday badgering Audrey to sign this lease. Yeah. And Audrey isn't particularly bothered by this. So um, um, she, she, she's just kind of saying, I need a bit of time to think about it. Um Audrey ends up snapping at Debbie in the bistro later, saying, look, I've only just got into the bistro, because she, she goes there for a meal with someone or other. She says, I don't want to do it right now. And then Nick says, tell you what, in the grand, I've got, I'm, getting, I'm picking up vibes here that maybe you don't want to reopen the salon just yet. And if you don't She's want like, to, that's cool. It's funny that you picked up on me saying continuously, I don't want this. Well, she's not like, saying that. She's just putting him off. But at the, at the end of the episode, she just tells him straight, I do not want to open this full stop. I'm done with it. My saloning days are over. Thanks, and thanks, but no thanks. So, and then it kind of came to a dead end there, didn't it? Because then Stephen got a bit angry about a car and that was where the plat um, camera was pointing after then. So, um, do you think that she's going to stick with this? Is she? Is she not? Or, or, or are we expecting to see the her back behind the the, the swivel chair of the salon again? Um, I mean, well, they went to all the trouble of making it look like something that she might like. I don't know. I think that they wouldn't have redone the set if 
they weren't going to have her working there again. And I do apologise to everybody who listened on the podcast last week and we mentioned the fact that they changed the frontage of the uh, the salon as well because they still haven't even shown that this week. So maybe we're a little bit spoilery, but um, the salon's going to look a little bit different soon. But that still doesn't necessarily mean that Audrey's going to be the one there cutting hair. Maybe, I don't know. She she probably is a bit past it though, isn't she? If I was her, how old is she, 82? I'd probably want to just retire. Yeah, I mean... Why? Why would you? I can't wait to. I don't think I'm going to be able to properly, realistically, because of the way that life works and how they keep pushing the the age, age of retirement way. back. But um, yeah, sign me up. Mm. I was also um, surprised that the whole has she taken too many pills on purpose kind of angle completely dropped off it was it was mentioned at the beginning of the episode and she was saying no I just miscounted the pills but then they didn't go any further with that so what are you thinking at the moment that she did do it on purpose or that she didn't because it felt to me that she was just saying oh no 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 I miscounted just to try and get the the nurse lady to leave her alone um it's interesting that yeah this big she she hasn't got anyone to confide in, has she? That's the trouble. What about Barbara? <laughs> She's just our Barbara. She needs a confidant. Is she is that why Stephen's here? Is is she gonna confess this to him or is she gonna try to protect him and tell somebody else? I'd like to see a nice Audrey and Rita scene, really. Because they're they're best buds again now, aren't they? They're made up after their their little spat earlier this year. It just, for, for something that was such a mega cliffhanger at the end of last Friday's episode, it was weirdly not at all a focus of this week's development. And then the story dropped off for Friday and thinking, well, is this going to come back at all? We're going to have to wait weeks until we find out whether Audrey wants to be popping pills on purpose. I don't know. Um, I guess we will have to wait and see. Gemma, your your, your lovely Phil has gone. What's, can you want to I am recount his final and I scenes? I will never be the same again. Okay. Yes. On Monday, Phil is going around to Phil. Fizz is going around to Phil's later to get her stuff, but he ends up bringing the stuff around to her because it's a long way to go. All the way to Cardiff to get her stuff, so she he does her a favour, and he's, he's even ironed her clothes. I wouldn't Sucker. have ironed them. I'd have spat on them. <laughs> he also is asking after the Would girls. You have put spit in the iron to cause the spray. Yeah. And you have no, spit steam. No, because then you'd ruin your own iron, wouldn't you? That's played yourself. So he's asking after the girls. He still cares about them. And then param, here is the signed annulment paper. I can't believe it. The person and have a nice final chat. And he, as he leaves, she passes him her wedding and engagement rings. And he says, you were enough for me, more than enough. Uh, the part of me that was missing, but however painful this is, I wouldn't change it. Then he starts quoting Walt Whitman at her and talking about embers burning or something or other. We're not really romantic enough to have followed what I was talking about. Everyone gets home from school and Tyrone and Fizz want to take the girls up to dinner, but Hope's got other plans. Um, they say, tough luck, they go out anyway, they come back, the girls haven't changed out their uniforms for some reason. Yeah, they went They went out to dinner, just still in their school uniforms. What's going on there? Fizz and Tyrone are all over each other and Hope's like, pass a sick bucket. Then Hope's on, the, on her tablet later on a forum or something or other, and there's somebody there called Mad Dog, 
Mad dog, not mad dog. <laughs> Starts a cat. She's gone crazy. <laughs> um, she's like, "How are you?" Well, actually, I don't care. <laughs> no more appointments. Bye. Uh, asking her about her family, and she walkie talkie Sam about it. Like you said, there he is. Um, and he says maybe Mad Dog fancies her or something. And that was the very abrupt end of that story. It's Sam Mad Dog, and he does fancy Hope, and this is his clumsy way of. Oh, gosh, I hope Sam doesn't... I thought he was holding a torch for um, old chess girl. Sam's... Considering how... Sam's a player. Considering how much Sam was in it at the beginning of the year, we've seen very, very, very little of him recently. And I know, I know that Jude has been doing his sats and everything, so he's got a very good reason for not appearing in Coronation Street. But it's it has been um, weird how little he's he's been appearing on the show. Um I don't know who I don't know whether Mad Dog is supposed to be someone who we know who it is. People were suggesting that maybe it's Phil, but I don't think it can be because Phil has absolutely completely left the show. Oh uh, well, you know. Could it be Jack? Could it be Sam? Could it be I don't really care. I can't believe that Phil's gone. I'm just I don't care who Mad Dog is. I don't care if Hope gets abducted by Pedo Van Man. I'm not bothered. I want Phil back. Pedo Forum man. Um no, I know well, Pedo Van Man might have internet connection in his van and What? He goes um, around and goes on forums. I, I was... Yeah, we were kind of um, caught off guard by Phil's leaving, weren't we? And I did say a few weeks ago, I think he'll be gone on the Monday. Because that was after the wedding, wasn't it? Yeah, you I? did. <laughs> I said, wedding on Friday. The way Coronation Street works is that he'll be gone on the Monday. I was just... Took him another week. See, I, I, am, also, I am also psychic. And I yeah. knew it was going to happen on a Monday. But after it happened, we didn't realise. And it needed no. Coronation Street to put something on social media the next day saying, no, no, he's really gone. I know, I'm really gut. I'm honestly gutted. I, I want him to come. Why is he gone? I hate Fizz and Tyrone. I think they well, suck. It, it kind of, um, you know, just made a lot of what happened last week a little bit... Pointless. Pointless. It's like, oh, uh, we, we need to sneak about. We can't let anyone find out that we're together. Oh, no, we found out we're together. Now he's not going to sign the annulment. Oh, I'll sign the annulment. No, I've changed my mind. I'm tearing up the annulment. Ha, ha, ha. How are they going to get out of this? Literally, next scene, here's the annulment. Bye, I'm going. It felt like it was a well, big build-up for nothing, Well, that's how I felt about really. what happened with Abby and, and Kevin on Friday. Yeah, just causing drama for drama's sake. I won't move in with you, sake. then. Oh, but I want you to. Oh, and okay... Mm. I don't have anywhere else to go anyway. Yeah. So anyway, I think it was Tuesday maybe that this video of uh, of Jamie uh, McKenna turning uh, turned up on the um, on the internet of him that he's saying that he filmed outside the bistro, wasn't it? So it must have been done a while ago, and he was just saying uh, in his not at all Phillish accent. <laughs> Phillish. Um, yeah, I'm going. So that that's, that's me done. I'm gone. I've had a great time year on Coronation Street. Um, I try. The modern day Jack and Vera are back together again. Boo! Why? I don't get it. There are no way the modern day Jack and Vera. Um, but the Curry really are really trying to push this, aren't they? They they had. I can't remember. Was it last year they had that in the scripts about them being that? And there were no, magazine. It was, on the, it was on the front of a soap magazine saying the new Jack I and Vera. I don't think it's fair to compare them because They're I nothing think like. Yeah, but you keep saying that. But I think you know. I personally think Jack and Vera are the modern Stan and Hilda in many ways. I don't see... I know that Tyrone's, you know, a, pro- a proper man's man and, and Fizz is, um, you know, she's trying the best for her family, but... but... They're their own people. I wouldn't... I, I don't think... It, I don't... I think the trouble with the comparison is that it invites you to pour scorn upon Tyrone and Fizz, which I don't think is fair. Because I think in many ways that you could argue that they are a similar... 
they kind of inhabit a similar space to Jack and Vera, but they certainly aren't the new Jack and Vera. Well, no, Jack and, and the, there's, there's a distinction to be made there. Jack and Vera are all about kind of sneaking around and getting one over yeah, but, on each other and no, playing but, tricks on each other and 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 going and, uh, yeah, and Jack would sneak off on his window round and have it off with Dulcie Frogger and, and Tyrone. Yeah, but I think that people, I think that you're talking about the reality of Jack and Vera. And when people say, oh, the new Jack and Vera, they're talking about Jack and Vera when they were dead. Or just a bit before, when they were very you know cosy I mean? with each other. No, well, when they walked off to heaven together, or hell, wherever they're going. On the bus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the romanticised, like, vision of their relationship at the very, very end. Their marriage at the end was a lot more, a lot different than it was all the way through the whole yeah, time that right. they were on Corrie. So when you're saying they're the new Jack and Vera, you're not comparing it to, you know, however many years of... Yeah, of infidelity in and backstabbing and sniping and hatred, which is basically what they <laughs> did to each other. You're talking about sweet old, you know, like a pair of like cooey doves, like sitting on a mm. on a perch it's, together. It's never a good idea to compare any character and say they are the new insert beloved character here. It Unless just... you want to screw them over, yeah. in which case feel free to. Oh, Carla Connors, the new Elsie Tanner. Whatever. What was the other one that they did? They said that Gary and Adam were the new Ken and Mike or something, didn't they? It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, we said that Adam and and Daniel were the new... Uh... Well, Daniel clearly is the new Ken. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going right back on everything I said because I need, they're doing a quite good job at that, but... Um, no, I don't get it. Anyway, um, I, I'm very sad to see Phil go as much as... Um, I feel differently about the reunion of Tyrone and Fizz as you do. I think that um, Phil had real potential as a character. He was a really, really nice guy. I think that uh, Jamie McKenna was a, a great actor. Really, I think he, there he was, was lots so of potential brilliant. for him. He should have stayed in the show. Yeah. And, oh, Gemma, I'm sorry to break this to you, but no more Phil also means no more Mimi. What? No more Coco. No, I don't understand. I don't agree with this. I think this is wrong. I think it is wrong as well. But it's a year contract, isn't it? Well... that Maybe he'll come back. I'll tell you what, it's a good job that we don't do our contracts year by year with Coronation Street to appear on the show, because if we did, we might not renew them. <laughs> some some years. Some years. Okay, um... We're racing through this week's coronation. This is like the shortest street. I've got a lot to say. I'm very tired. Gemma is very tired this week. You may have noticed this. Um, But yeah, there was a little bit more of the Sally and Tim story at the end of uh, the week. Apparently, Tim's been tossing and turning all night. That's the problem. (laughs) He's been trying to. Um, And Sally's kind of miffed about him still not wanting to talk about their problems with her. Um, and maybe they'll end up sleeping in separate bedrooms and everything because he's just a bit too fidgety during uh, the night. And, and Beth talks to Sally about this at work and basically says, you know, if a couple starts sleeping in separate beds, then that's the beginning of the end, which I don't think is necessarily true. No, it isn't. But um, I could see I could see Beth thinking this because she's she's very lovey-dovey with her Kirky, isn't she? Um, but anyway... Um, Tim decides he's going to take Sally to the casino on Monday, which she thinks is a jolly good idea. Because was it Dev says to Tim, "Let's um, let's have a boys' night out at the casino," and Tim bins him off in favour of his wife. Can't you go all together? It's a casino night in the place at the end of your road. Dev hasn't got anybody to go with. Go, your friends will be there. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this casino night. Take Hardy. But 
anyway. Um, the most I'd important... love to see Ardy puffed up pretending he's James Bond I at the know. roulette table yeah. or, or like playing cards and not actually knowing what the rules are. That'd yeah. be brilliant. Yeah. The, the best thing to come out of this little story today is we actually got to see the streetcar set, didn't we? Yeah, it's the first time in years. Is this the first time since COVID? Yeah, I think they've changed it as well. I don't know whether they've changed it um, or whether I'm just, just used to saying... Well, no, because there's a lot of streetcars going on in the ITV3 quarry at the moment back in 2001. Um. And I know that they definitely did change it a little bit when they moved it to Media City. Like, they made some walls thicker or thinner or something and they changed the sizing a little bit. So maybe I'm just comparing it to that. But it did feel a little bit different. But it was really, really nice to, to, to see you back in there again. What was the other set that they had recently for the first time in a long time? I'm sure there was... Oh, it was... Um, oh, the, yeah, the salon, wasn't it, obviously, last week? Yeah. So that's really cool that they're bringing some of these old ones again. When, when are we going to get to see the inside of the Undertakers again? Because we haven't seen inside that this year. But hurrah, Streetcars is back. Let's have some more fun Eileen on the Switch scenes, please. That'd be oh, lovely. Yes, oh, that's how you know that we've returned to... To normality. The way it used to be when yes. we have those... those <laughs> and with that, <laughs> and with that yes. I think we're done with this week's street talk because um, as much as there was a lot that happened this week, it kind of felt to me like it was a bit of a fillery week. Things happened I didn't want to happen. Like Phil left. Yeah, boo. There was, there was a fun psychic. There was uh, lots of things where it was like, well, that was a waste of time. There, there were things happening that was like, why, why is this character acting in this way just for drama? They're talking about Kevin and Stephen getting strangely angry on Wednesday. Um, I, I've, I, what are you thinking about for a score this week? I'm thinking like two and a half. You reckon? Mm, two and a half multiverses uh, of dads. Multiverses of dads. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was the uh, the three dad thing, wasn't it? Um, God, I, I, I liked I liked how Debbie was in the spotlight a little bit. Debbie, not Devi. Debbie and Devi are both in it. Um, De- Debbie and oh, Dev should get together. Some are getting us silly. Yeah, you're, maybe I'm gonna see. Well, nobody ever seems to vote that low on our Facebook poll in the forum. But I'm thinking you got uh, you got to have a range, haven't you? Two and a half isn't the end of the world. Well, it's it's like, just a it's 50, like middle. 50 isn't yeah. it? It's the middle. Yeah, I'm going to go with two and a half. I'm going to. I think that's it... probably the lowest I've scored it. In it a that long is a time. long. I reckon it is. Rebecca I was over it. To, um, I really w- wasn't really paying attention this week because it was. I found it boring. Yes, I am going to give this one two and a half chair stacking monitors out of five. <laughs> um, character of the week. Hmm. 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 I don't really know. Bonjour, Dev. <laughs> Is it Psychic um, Sylvie? She was quite funny. Phil, because it's his last week. No, he's just... I'm not giving it to Phil for just basically giving up. Yeah, I he agree. Just, he went out with a whimper, didn't he? If he'd have gone out in a blaze of glory, Natasha Blakeman part one style, that what, would have been just epic. getting shot? No, not in the, no, in the first time round. Oh, yeah, like going, hey, you, you're stupid, you're cool. You're annoying. See you later, busters. Yeah. Um, so I can't give it to Phil. Definitely not giving it to Moody Stephen or Kevin. Jack, maybe, for having a change of heart. But then I spent most of the week not enjoying Jack because he was being annoyingly um, angry. Um, I'm, th- I'm kind of edging towards Debbie at the moment for no particular reason other than I really like Debbie and, and she was just at her Debbie-ish best this week. But I can't really I, I like give Debbie. any more reason other than that. She's kind of set up something fun, potentially, that could happen in next week's Coronation Street. 
Um, I just love Debbie. I also love Dev. Yeah. I think... I think it's going to be Debbie for me. Two and a half and Debbie. You? I can't think of anyone else I'd rather give it to. Well, there we go then. Debbie. Two and a half and Debbie from the it. both of us. Could do better next week, Coronation Street, please. They can't... It was fine. It was fine this week. Yeah. But that, that, that was as, as far it's as I'm going to go. It's not for me. It wasn't for me. Well, they don't, they don't just make it for you. No. That's fine. Yeah. Let's move on to the next bit of the podcast. Hello and welcome to The Cabin, where for the start of this segment at least, Gemma's taken a bit of a break and I'm joined instead by Glenda Young, who many of you will know as being the writer behind the fantastic Coronation Street blog. She's here with me today to talk about the launch of her brand new 14-part audio drama, Riverside, which launches on Amazon, Audible and iTunes this week. Glenda, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to speak to you again. It's been ages, hasn't it? Because I think you came on when... Did you come on when your Deirdre book came out or the colouring book? I can't remember. I think the last time would have been the colouring book. Yes. Yeah. Long time, long time. How have you been? I've been very well, thank you. Yeah, I've um, I've, I've been very busy. <laughs> I know. I've been yeah. following you on Twitter. You're really, really busy with your books and your magazine and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very proud now to say that I'm actually a best-selling author. One of my novels got into the, the top 50 best-selling charts. So, That's fantastic. so, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely incredible. And, and I have Coronation Street to thank for everything because, if you know, that, that's how I started writing. It was combining my love of Coronation Street and writing and, and putting stuff online and then being asked by ITV to do the Cory books. And then I was writing short stories myself. So it all started with the love of Coronation Street, and, and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Riverside then. So this is a serial that's been running in the People's Friend magazine for, what, five years, five, six years now? Or longer, I can't remember. And, and this week it's making its debut as an audio drama. So huge congratulations for that. I was so excited when you told me about it. You, and you, you too must be dead excited to you know, see your words transformed into you know, living, breathing characters as well. Yeah, it's amazing. It, yeah, it's been going for six years now um, yeah. in People's Friend magazine. So the first time I heard the audio was just, just a, a couple of months ago when I heard the finished audio and I, I burst into tears because oh. I've lived with these people in my head for so long and, and, and I can almost visualise what, what they look like, what they would have for breakfast, what kind of socks they wear. And then to hear their voices was just incredible. It must um, be. Yeah, very emotional. So tell tell the listeners a little bit about the world of Riverside. Like, where's it set? Who the main characters? That kind of thing. It's a community that's um, set in an ex-industrial town in the north. There's lots of changes going on. So some of the characters are resistant to those changes, and some of them are quite gung ho. And, and they, they, you know, they want a new block of flats built on the old shipyard site. So it's, there's a bit of tension between the old and the new. And that's acted out in the characters. So we've got, for instance, Stick in the Mud George, who's just it's he's just a fantastic character. He he's very old-fashioned, very set in his ways, but he's so lovable though. Um, and you've got contrasting against him, you've got um Mike, this this kind of entrepreneur who is you know really he's he's put his redundancy money from the shipyards into building this new Delhi cafe called the old engine room. And it's built on the site of the old engine room at the shipyards. So mm-hmm. you've got this real contrast between George and Mike, but at the heart of it all is it's, it's really about two families and friendship between the, the women of the two families, Mary mm-hmm. and Ruby. Um, yeah. So, so it combines my love of, of a soap opera 
uh, but it's written for a different kind of audience, I guess. It's, it's very, it's a bit more gentle than Coronation Street. There's no explosions. There's nothing really nasty happens. I mean, it, it's just a really lovely, gentle, nice experience. You feel like when you're listening to it, you'll feel like you're eavesdropping in on friends who are chatting. And it's, it's just the most lovely thing. I'm so proud of it. Yeah, now I was going to ask about how it compares to Corrie in terms of of tone and themes and things. So, I mean, um, is it is it uh, is it more comparable to earlier Corrie maybe before all the big explosions started and the Britain's Got Talent weeks and everything? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, because at the end of every episode there is a cliffhanger, so there is drama right. and there's tension. Yeah. Um, you know, there's enough there to keep a, a reader or a listener involved, but there are no there's nothing really you know there's no kidnapping for and, 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 and things that you think oh for heaven's sake that would never happen these are all real dilemmas that families yeah. might, might have uh, especially when george the stick in the mud his daughter starts dating uh, the son of mike who's his kind of rival so the two it's like romeo and juliet the two families yeah. are coming together and there's, there's lots of tension there yeah. so i think it it compares if, if there is a comparison to Corey, then it's it's in the quiet moments that mm. we I, I love in Coronation Street. Oh yeah, definitely. Those quiet moments where a lot can be said with with a look or a couple of words instead mm. of a, you know blockbuster episode. Although they are fun in their own way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, does it is it comparable to the Archers? That kind of thing. I, I don't listen to that. Do you listen to the Archers? I don't listen to the Archers, but um, I, yes, I would imagine it, it probably is more comparable to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we, we, there is a, a member of the Archers cast in, in Riverside as well. And that's the other thing I should say is that all of the cast members are either in a soap opera or they have been in soap operas at some point, including um, Lisa Armitage uh, mm-hmm. from Neighbours as well. So, yeah, so that everybody has been in soap. Um, and the chap who plays George is um, an actor called Dave McClelland, who I actually know Dave. But, and I didn't know he was going to get the part of George. That was a wonderful surprise. And Dave has had a few different parts in Coronation Street as well. So oh, just yeah, that I thought I recognised them. Yeah, I think he last turned up in Corrie. Oh, gosh, I can't remember what he played. But he, he was in for about two or three episodes the last time he was in. Mm. I'll have, to have a look on Corypedia and find out what he played. Yes. But, yeah, so so the cast really know what they're doing and they, they just bring it all alive. Mm-hmm. So you've you've been writing River um, Riverside for six years now. You said is that do you did you find it difficult at all coming up with ideas for the for the stories for the for the residents of Rymouth there? Do you ever find yourself like not sure about where to take the series next, or are you just like bursting with ideas to get out? Oh it, yeah, whenever I'm sometimes because my husband Barry is a huge Coronation Street fan as well, and yeah. sometimes when we're out, if we go out for a drink or a meal. And we'll just sit and chat about storylines for Riverside. And so I'm always, I've always got my notepad with me and I'm scribbling things down. So I've always, always got lots of ideas and a long list of things that I can use. But they have to be right for Riverside. They can't be big explosions and they, you know, they can't be you know, killings and guns and shootings. None of that goes into my soap opera. But it has to be right for Riverside. So although I've got a long list of what I could put in, when I actually sit down to write it, that's the scary bit because I'm not quite sure where that episode is going to go. Mm. And, and that's quite nice because it, then it's a surprise for me, <laughs> which means it'd be a surprise for the reader. <laughs> I've actually, just before I was um, talking to you on the podcast today, I've just finished writing 
the Christmas edition of Riverside for the people. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I've just been for a walk on the beach this morning. I went for a paddle in the sea and now I'm writing Christmas. That's um, and I didn't know what was going to happen before I sat down to write it. I had no clue, but I've mm. written a really nice scene. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so how did, how did the transformation into audio drama come about then? Yeah, it was it was a lockdown thing. Because um, oh. the guy who's produced it is called Ian Skillicorn, and I, I've known Ian for about 20 years. And uh, we actually used to do a Coronation Street podcast <laughs> back, you know, way back in the day, well before Co- Conversation Street. Ian did a podcast called The Soap Show. Yeah. And as part of that, I, he used to interview me about Coronation Street and, and we used to talk about the episode and the few characters. So I've always known Ian and I always knew he had this affinity with soaps and especially the Australian soaps. Mm. And in lockdown, we, he rang me one day and we had a really nice chat and he was asking me what I was writing. And uh, I told him about Riverside and I said, look, it's the writing highlight of my week because it's so uplifting and it's, it's just gentle and it's friendly and warm. I said, I love writing it. And he said, I've always wanted to produce an audio drama. And it was just like a slight bold moment. And I said, well, I hold the rights to my work from the people's friend. Um, why don't, you know, why don't we think about doing something together? So, so that's how it came about. Um, I did, I, I do hold the rights to my work, but I, I, I did get permission as well from the people's mm. friend to go ahead with it. And Ian has changed, um, changed it slightly just, to fit it to a script rather than a, yeah. a narrative. But he's done a wonderful job. Um, so we've worked really hard. Um, the cover artwork has been done by Pickled Joe. Oh, really? Fans might know because she- Yeah, I didn't know that so, Yeah, she does so much Cory caricatures and she does so much work for Cory uh, fans. Um, so I've known Joe for a lot of years as well. So I was really mm. pleased to get her on board to do the artwork, which is just gorgeous. It is, it's lovely. Um, yeah, so there's a whole there's a whole thing there, and I'm yeah, just really pleased with it all. Yeah. So, do the fourteen episodes of this adaptation like cover the the early um, issues of the magazine? Is it is it have you like gone right back to the beginning, or are you just taking bits from throughout the six years? No, no, it's the first 14 episodes that I ever wrote back in 2016. So mm. we're going to see 14 that's quite a lot of work that Ian's yeah. been doing over the last few months so we're going to see how these 14 go and if people want more if there's a demand for more then you know I've just, just this morning I've written episode 303 <laughs> so there's plenty more in, in the pipeline <laughs> certainly is yeah, that sounds amazing <laughs> well listen I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a listen to this myself later as well Glenda just before you go can you give um, the listeners another reminder about where they can go to hear this yes um Go to the website riversidethesoap.com or you can download it from Amazon, Audible and iTunes. Lovely. Well, I hope that some of our listeners do um, take up the opportunity and give it a listen. I certainly will do. I'm very excited to hear um, all about what's going on there. And um, I wish, really wish you the best of luck with it. And uh, yeah, especially if we end, end up getting more episodes of it produced, that would be that would be fantastic. So very best of luck with that. And of course, I wish you all the continuing success with the Coronation Street blog because it is a fantastic blog. And uh, brilliant for Coronation Street fans everywhere. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye then. Bye.
And that was nice, wasn't it? Having a yeah, guest on the show. I think special guest. Coming. Oh, Je- yeah, Gemma's yeah. back. Gemma's my I new came, special guest. And she's shuffled back in again after having a little break. So, yeah, thank you, Glenda, for coming on. And I hope that um, that uh, Riverside does very, very well. Um, so, let's move on to the rest of our news. Oh, we've got some sad news this week, haven't we? This is this is Coronation Street related, but the late Bernie Cribbins we have to um, pay respects to this week, don't we? Old Cribster. Is uh, a died just the other day, and he played Wally Bannister in Coronation Street in two thousand and three. But he was um, best known for many, many other things. I mean, for for me, um, Bernard Cribbins was um, a, a great Doctor Who character. For example, he played uh, he was Donna's granddad, wasn't he? In that, yeah, but he's a massive, massive he, name, absolutely a really huge. great character actor, and yeah, lots yeah. and lots of people. Very, very have beloved. Very many nice things to say about him. So very sad to hear that he. Has, is no longer with us. Yeah, and um, his story in Coronation Street was like 20 years ago, and he was, um, even then, he was this old guy that Tracy was dating, wasn't she? And uh, he, it turned out, it started off that he was a boyfriend of Blanche's, um, and then Tracy finds out that he's got a load of money, so she kind of sneaks in there and um, starts to woo him. And at the end of the story, it all transpires that the house that he's saying is his, is he's actually the, the gardener at, I think, and um, he's married and he's just pretending that he's got all this money and uh, kind of all ends in a bit of a wow. farce, really. But it was, it was a fun little, you know, I'm going to say two-week-long story or probably not much more than that. But, um, yeah, I'm very, really sad, sad news um, to, to hear that Wally... <laughs> Wally's character, well, the actor behind Wally is uh, no longer with us. R.I.P. Uh, Gemma, Coronation Street tour. We've got a few bits of news um, about this to, to end the, the cabin segment with. First it's not off, the end, is it? Oh, yeah. But there, there, there's just a load of Corrie Tour stuff going on because, you know, it's the summer holidays now. People might be travelling up to Manchester or down to Manchester or across to across. Manchester to go and um, sample the delights of the Coronation Street Tour. I'm still saying you might want to hold out until they open the new visitor centre later this year. But if you are planning to go this summer, you might want to have a look through some of the letterboxes there because they're doing something new. This is announced on their social media channels the other day. Um, it looks like now when you go down the road and you look in the letterboxes there's there's some bits and bobs inside the actual quote from their social media said we've got something new and exciting for you on your visit look behind letterboxes to spot our hidden props and costumes see if you can figure out who they belong to oh what so they just chucked a load of crap in the inside the houses and said that it's a, a treasure hunt well i don't know is it like if you look inside number 13 will you see something of kevin's or will you just see a random costume i don't know I don't know what I'd like more because if it's going to be set up there as like the the thing is when you look through the letterboxes normally on the Coronation Street tour there's there's not a whole lot to see is there because well, they're all just fake they're frontages I mean they might have the beginnings of some stairs there and everything, some some can't. of them like for example Roy's Rolls has a bit yeah of stuff in there so what they're what they're not going to be able to do I assume is set up an actual scene in there it will literally be. There was going to be, I'm be guessing, a like a mannequin of, with with a costume yeah, on or something. There's going to be a load of dust and rubble and <laughs> yeah, and building site things, and then yeah, I think mop. it's a really nice idea though because they, they, they must have seen so many people just looking Peeking through, through. That's what the, do, the letterboxes and think... then being a bit disappointed oh, about what's there. But <laughs> I, I really, really like this idea, and it's it's they're doing a, they're doing a fantastic job, I think, at the moment of I making the tour more value for money because we have been critical about the the price of it in the past, and just, well, just adding, adding this, re, which... they're adding value for people who've been before, aren't they? I don't yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say yeah. it's worth going again just to watch, just, look through the letter. 
box, but no. But I, I, th- I think that's a really cracking idea, and um, and, and if we go again, um, which we may well do in the future, then um, I will certainly be having a peek through the letterboxes to to see what's there. They need they need to have um, no, they don't need to have it. like a little, a little stamp thing. Like if you spot Hilda's curlers, stamp off here, or I don't know. Um, anyway, that's a good idea. Also on the subject of the tour, um, they have, um, due to popular demand, added two more star tour dates next month. So originally it was just going to be one per month. And we talked about Chris Gascoigne popping up a couple of weeks ago. Um, There was going to be one on the 20th of August, but now there's also going to be one on the 6th and the 28th of August. 6th of August coming up pretty soon. That's next weekend, everybody. This must have obviously done very, very well. The 20th of August one is already sold out, so people obviously are liking the idea that for an extra fiver, you get a chance to meet a mystery guest and have photos taken with them. And I I do think it's a really great idea, and and maybe... um, some of the other Corrie cast are saying, hang on a minute, can I get involved in this? Because I'm guessing, like, the cast are being told, this is going on, is anybody up for it? And and maybe more people on the cast than they expected are saying, yeah, why not? Because I guess it's going to be some extra cash in their back pocket. Why not go and meet a bunch of people who'd be really happy to see you? Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? And it's another nice summer holiday thing. So um, if anyone's going to go across to any of these, do get in touch with us and let us know who the star is. Because I'm guessing the Manchester Evening News isn't going to be covering it every week. I think it's really, really cool. Um, but it, tickets are selling out fast. Um, and I don't know whether it's going to carry on being quite as frequent in October and November or whatever. But yeah, go, go and check it out. It seems quite fun. Check it or, out. an alternative to getting on the normal tour is you could enter a competition that Coronation Street's Facebook page are running in association with EE, the sponsor. One of the sponsors. Do you get to meet Kevin Bacon? You might do. I don't know. If, I'm, if Kevin Bacon's <laughs> going, I'll... So they're putting on something on the first Saturday of September called the Corrie Games, um, which sounds a lot of fun. It doesn't seem up our street in the slightest, does it? Because it I thought involves... you sounded excited about this. Thought you wanted to do it. Well, I didn't. You know, if I if I were to do it, I'd want to do it with you. And I know that you're not into this at all. No, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> because photography is involved, isn't it? If I could do this by myself with nobody watching me, I'd have great fun. But. Um... Yeah. So basically, it looks like there's going to be two winners chosen to this competition, which we'll give more details about in a I minute. Thought I, was ex- I was kind of excited that you would enter and then I'd get to be ruin it by not coming. No, that's not going to happen, Gemma, um, I'm afraid. No, we'll, we'll let someone else have a chance for this one. But oh. yeah, you, you get to go along. There'll be, um, you'll get to like dress up as characters maybe and recreate favourite se- famous scenes. No, that's there's not a, what's there's happening. a quiz in the Rovers. Well, what's happening? Well, it's then? a good. It's, right. So first of all, it's on Facebook, isn't it? It's, it's a Facebook about, quiz. Like, are you? Are you? Do you know stuff about Corey? And I'm, yes. I'm thinking, if you're listening to this, you might, you might be on the first rung of the ladder here to, <laughs> to success. What they want you to do is to watch two clips, mm-hmm. um, and basically copy them. And I guess extra points for props and wigs and yeah. And it's it's not acting ability, and and they're both scenes that are very very short. It it, it said oh recreate these one of these two classic quarry scenes, and one of them was just from a few weeks ago of Kirk in the factory saying nothing particularly memorable. I can't even remember which one it was. I now. don't remember it. Either. It was a scene with him and him <laughs> and Jacob. It. Yeah. Um, the other one is the Bet Lynch talking to Betty and Lidl saying, Lidl. this isn't a smile, it's a lid on a screen, which screen. is an iconic Coronation Street line. So you've got to basically film yourself acting out these lines and, they, and they're and they going to judge 
and pick two winners based on judges. Yes, it's serious business. Yeah. This, based on you know creativity, props, um, delivery of lines, all sorts. So if you want to, you know, put your best beehive on, get your cigarette on a stick, your your chunky costume jewelry, your leopard skin top, and be a, a, an outrageous bet and deliver that line, you might be in for a chance. I don't know how you do the Kirk line particularly because there wasn't particularly anything iconic about think, the setting or the scene or the costume I don't or get anything. That. At all? No, I don't really. There's, e- there's even better Kirk scenes, like why yeah. don't they get him singing arseholes? Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so you, they, you film yourself doing that and send it into them. But then they also were going to post those clips in the discussion section, which sounds like a great way to have everybody rip into each other. And did they say they're going to do that? It says curry clips posted in the discussion. No, I think that the the one no that's the clips that you oh, can. So nobody nobody's judging. I don't you. think there's public judging of Good, this that sounds like that's just the clips that you have to Salem recreate yeah no they'll, they'll have some independent judges that will look at your your, your clips and you've got to send so, it in by it's like the mid-April maybe get, mid-August you've got, you got a couple of weeks to, to get involved in so your you prize if you win if you get two people get to win and they get to bring like three friends mm-hmm. or family members with them to, mm-hmm. we- to Weatherfield in the 3rd of September and they get to recreate iconic scenes on the street Sample Weatherfield's culinary delights and have a pub quiz in yeah. the actual Rebs of Return, which I think, honestly, sounds like they've ripped off our idea <laughs> for having Coronation Street... A Coronation Street-themed quiz. Yeah. Nobody's ever thought we came, of it We before. came up with that idea ourselves. That was a brand new concept. <laughs> I think for lots of people, this sounds like a really fun competition to, to enter, and I, I really hope that one of our listeners is one of the winners here. So if there's anybody... Well, I'll be jealous if whoever wins, but I would, I, I'd rather die than go. Well, it all, it, there's, there's a million terms and conditions, aren't there? And one of them is like, you know, you're, you're expected to participate in all the events, you're expected to be photographed, you're expected, you're expected to, to take... enjoy yourself. You're expected to take part in all the publicity relating to it. I mean, I guess they might have the news crews in and everything like that. <laughs> so um, yeah, you you got to be ready to you know to make a show You've of yourself if you're going to paint gonna... on your smile. Yes, you yeah. got to put on your lid on a screen for this. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the ultimate um, Betland's impression if you ended up doing it. But no, it sounds like a, a lot of fun for for lots of people. Maybe it's not a past street, but I, I really, really do wish the best of luck for anybody here that well, would like to do it. And if you wins, do, I'll send be jealous a, of them. I, I want anybody who enters this to send it to us as well. Yeah, we'll judge I want it. to. Yeah, we'll, we'll judge you. Yeah. You can come around I'm very, I'm very judgmental. <laughs> I know, I'm just really interested to see some of our listeners being doing their best bet, or maybe Kirk, if anyone's going to do that. Do you think there'll be more people that will uh, send There'll be loads them? more bets, and they'll all be men in drag, probably. The problem is, I wonder whether the Facebook crowd, you know, all these young uns that even know bet lynches anymore. Michael, Facebook is not full of young people, I hate to tell you this. Oh no, it's not, is it? You're talking about TikTok. <laughs> that's why it's not a TikTok competition. I don't know why they didn't do it on TikTok because that's all TikTok people do, isn't it? Like, copy each other and do duets and stuff. Yeah. yeah well, that's just, what um, it would be, wouldn't it? Just a duet of Bet yeah. Lynch. I want the guys from the Isolation Creations to that's do this. I, I like, they just would win. <laughs> they would have to win. Do it separately they? and just both get to go together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, good luck to anyone that's entering that one. Um, or Whatever. Whatever. Enjoy send yourself. It, send your clips. Sample Weatherfield's Culinary Delights. So someone's going to sling a hot pot at you. No, somebody's going to feed you veggie lasagna and they'll sit and watch you uh, as you eat it. That's another clause in the competition. Winners are expected to eat every mouthful of Toya's veggie lasagna if you win this competition. <laughs> right, that is it for the news this week. I was going to do a little bit about the Coronation Street summer party that happened yesterday, but I won't. Apparently Barbara Knox was there. Barbara Knox was apparently molested. Okay, I'll talk molested? about it. Molested? 
But that's what the Manchester Evening News thing said. That I thought they were swamped by fans. The same thing. It was at the Ivy in Manchester, and the, and the article in the, in the MEN was like, um, Barbara Knox and William Roach get mobbed by fans as they turn up there. And, uh, and and there was a fashion fashion who like what you're wearing. I think that the fashion winner yesterday at the party was Harriet Bibby, who had a very nice white and uh, not white, uh, blue and yellow summery dress. I will show you later, you Gemma. You didn't show me, so do I can't. Do you want to see? Do you want to do a fashion fashion who love what you're no. wearing? You're missing out. I'll show you later. Anyway, go onto the website of the Manchester Evening News listeners if you want to see some lovely Coronation Street wearing lovely clothes. Also, because this has also appeared on Instagram today, Georgia Taylor was uh, has put a nice picture of herself in a lovely summery dress today. She was not at the party yesterday, but... She's doing her own thing. She's doing her own thing today, and she's got a lovely flowery dress that Toya probably wouldn't be seen dead in. Just like me, she does what she wants. Yeah. Right, time yeah. for some feedback. This is such a weird addition to the news. What? What is? <laughs> Taylor wears dress <laughs> next up. <laughs> I, was, I could have just led with that. Sorry, Glenda, but Georgia Taylor is one Welcome to the news. Georgia Taylor wears dress. Barbara Knox molested. <laughs> William Roach was there. More up next. Uh. First a word from our sponsors. I'll do. Welcome, welcome to feedback section. Yes. Yes. yes so welcome. What? Hello. So what? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Indeed. <laughs> last week, the average score on the Facebook group for last week's Coronation Street was 3.71 out of 5. So that's not bad at all. That includes Jonathan, who gave it four tattoos of fizz that looked like Mick Hucknall. <laughs> Judith, who scored three and a half work-related impediments, which prevented Debbie getting round to having kids. And Richard, <laughs> which was my pick of the week. And he gave it four ghosts of deceased Deirdre's chasing Wendy Flaming Crozier down the street with a frying pan out of five. <laughs> Thank you, everybody who voted. And I, it, what? I was going to say, I think that um, that tattoo of Fizz was like tea leaves in that everybody sees some kind of different shape. Oh, is it like I, the Rorschach test? Yeah, I saw, who did I see? The, the girl out of Hunger Games, what's her name? You don't know who I'm talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. Jabba, we got a new iTunes review and it's a good one. Thank you very much, Lucky Cat 5 for giving it five stars and says, always looking forward to Saturdays with Recap. Keeps me up to date in Dallas, Texas. Keep up the good work. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. For, oh, I, oh, that's quite we cool. Have, we Dallas, we Texas. have had a couple of other ones that we haven't mentioned. Yes. I think we maybe have mentioned. <laughs> well, we had another out. one since that was very nice. We have had a few nice reviews recently. Thank you very much, everybody. But if you're listening you haven't reviewed us yet on iTunes, please do it. It'd make our day, I tell you what. Um, and something else that made our day. Yes. You on, you talk about this one then. You showed me this. I did. Um, we got sent a video for our 10th anniversary and it's the most amazing thing. Somebody made a video. It was Chris. Chris made us a video. Um, we can't show it on the podcast because it really does need to be it's a visual seen. Thing. And um, it and was read. just so lovely to, that somebody thought of us and like all the loads of inside jokes, they're really funny. Thanks it was basically, it was, it was basically um, a, a scene of the street and these ca- the cabin calling boys kind of spinning into the front of the camera and written on the on the newspapery bit was some a stupid headline related to something we've said, said on the podcast <laughs> like wolf eating spider eats factory roof report <laughs> and woman killed by pole through the face yeah. that kind of thing there were a load of those and then it said thank you for doing the podcast it was really really lovely that was a, a, a big <laughs> surprise and it put a smile on both of our faces this afternoon it was really nice thank, thank you, you very much Chris and if anyone else would like to pay tribute <laughs> to Conversation Street which will very very soon be hitting its 10th year anniversary and we are talking about oh three weeks away um, then you can send your emails or whatever into conversationstreet at gmail.com this, yeah this isn't Jack 
years. This is real years. Actual, yeah, 10 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. not uh, like 25. No, no, we've been going a long time, but not that Thank long. Thank you so much, Chris. That was the loveliest thing. Yes. <sighs> I'm very excited for again. our 10th anniversary. I think the quiz is going to be awesome. We've been, as I said, we've recorded bits of it already. We have other plans as well for the 10th anniversary, which you'll have to you wait You keep saying, but I don't longer. know what you're talking about. Oh, ho, 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 ho. you know something. Am I going to chase you down the street with a frying pan like the ghost of Deirdre Barlow? I'm going to secretly enter you into that conversation, uh, into that Facebook competition, Gemma, and drag you along kicking me, and screaming. Just so happening to quote <laughs> Bet Lynch. God, do your best bet impression, I can't Gemma. remember what, it, what the line is. This isn't a smile, Betty. It's a lid on a screen. No, I can't do it. Anyway, Richard, who was somebody I had the pleasure of speaking to for the quiz the other day, oh, yeah. has written in with some feedback. He says, huge thanks first for organising the charity quiz for the 10-year Conversation Street anniversary. I was fortunate in being able, so fortunate, to secure one of the listener slots and it was great to have the opportunity to be asked questions on Abby in my oh, case. Oh yeah, giving the secrets Michael away. Yeah. Earlier this week. Yeah. The Trussell Trust is a fantastic charity to support through this initiative. Yeah, I just want to also say that we, um, obviously we've closed now our collection for the Trussell Trust because it was just those tickets but don't forget that if you um feel generous you can still donate to them any time of the year and i think that as the months progress and um things get more desperate here in this country some people will definitely be very grateful for your contribution so i'm really thrilled that we were able to pick a charity that uh, I think does really great work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like those charities that are just not like the donkey everyone. charities, <laughs> like, like the, the northern Weatherfield donkey sanctuary. <laughs> By and large, Richard says I'm enjoying the program at the moment, uh, and he says he's sending this before Friday's episode, so hopefully nothing will change. The character of Stew has really brought something to the show, and is almost a shoe in to be my character of the week. Oh. Or should that be a? Stewin. Yes, Stewin. I said that not Richard. Elements I particularly like are his affection for Yasmin, his support for Kelly and Zidane, his generosity to his friends from his homeless days, galvanising other street members to support homeless with food donations. He's making a really good um, yep. case for Stew as character of the week What's here, isn't happen? he? What did we pick, Debbie? My theory is... Oh no, I've skipped ahead. So Richard says, I have a horrible sense of foreboding that a big dark secret from his past is about to emerge and we saw clues about this from his brief interaction with his daughter Bridget. My theory is, uh, and as a declaimer, my theories are never right and I haven't seen any spoilers <laughs> or similar. He was jailed for an assault on some of some description against a girl. In fact, he said something along the lines of I didn't attack this girl to Bridget and that is why he became estranged from his family and ended up on the streets and developed a tendency to binge drink. I do hope he stays in the show though. I'm enjoying seeing the many facets of his personality and Yasmin deserves some happiness. Yeah, she's definitely more likely to get happiness with um, Stu than with Stephen. I thought that was a bit of a strange angle for Stephen's the... Stephen's just like the horny dog let loose on the st- on, with all he the ladies. He humping Elaine's yeah. leg last week and this time it's Yasmin. Um, thanks as always for everything you do, says Richard, uh, in producing the podcast and administering the wider Conversation Street community. You're welcome, welcome. of course. Thank you so much for writing in. I like that. Yeah, I think we're all waiting for the uh, penny to drop with Stu, aren't we? He's like, Mr. Perfect, what's wrong with him? What's he been up to? What's he done? I think he is Mr. Nice Guy, but he's he's got a bit of... um, Why? Was he faking a cough? Closet. closet. Oh, I'm... I'm, What? Uh, Right, when I get... If I go... go, uh, Next time I go to Manchester, I'm going to make a paper aeroplane... And on it, it's going to say, what the hell is up with Stu and his cough? I'm going to fold it into a paper aeroplane and I'm going to stand outside the Tony Warren building and look for an open window. <laughs> and throw it in. You're going to get it in first time, aren't you? Yeah, I will. 
and um, they will read it and, and be ashamed of themselves and uh, know that this is the biggest plot hole that's ever existed on Coronation Street. go around Bill Fellow's house and, and immediately say, on, ad- address it and uh, apologise and they'll put a thing at the beginning of the of the show like this is in tribute to Gemma who's the only person brave enough to confront us over this terrible and a lazy plot hole that we've created <laughs> with Stu's coughing that never never got never got addressed okay I'll, I'll look out for that next time we so go. I've got to learn how to do paper aeroplanes really <laughs> I know I, I used to have I used to know how to do quite a good I one was ne- I could never do a good paper aeroplane I was terrible well, you it's just, just like make straight them. to the floor Make them, and then you you get the end, and you you tear a strip, and then you put the strip up, and it turns into like a little rudder. Mm. So, okay, you get that's on what that. I'm gonna do. I actually got to go now and do that. If you don't mind, no. Can you just read out Rebecca's feedback first? Do you think please? I should make it from card? That's probably stronger, isn't it? It's heavier. <laughs> just read Rebecca's email, and then I'm, after I've done that, I'm going to create a device that keeps eggs from smashing when I drop them from a great height. Okay. I don't know how it's related to Coronation Street. I have to get back to you on that. Okay. Right, Rebecca says, <laughs> Enjoyed the Gary and Kelly story this week, especially the bit where Gary nearly killed Kieran. Blokey, in yes. case you wondered. <laughs> I also think Kelly was also stopping Gary from killing him. And I also think Kelly might be cottoning on about her dad and Gary. I enjoyed Kieran bringing up the Windus family and how they're all alleged chavs when they came on the street. I'm thinking Kieran might make a return or is that a goon seeking revenge on Kelly and Gary? I also thought Kelly was clever putting Laura in a text message as a clue. It's strange how this story's dropped off the face of the earth is it? this week, hasn't it? Is it? Or is it It's, not, it's very, actually, that's exactly how currently it operates. <laughs> Rebecca says, as much as Phil has been messed around by Fizz and Tyrone, I really don't want this story to carry on another 12 months. Don't worry, don't worry it won't. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather Phil just disappeared for 12 months and then return to sign the divorce papers. However, I think he will now continue to make Fizz and Tyrone's life a misery. No, wrong. See, this is why you guys know I don't have any idea or spoilers. I don't see any spoilers because I was absolutely, utterly convinced that he was going to be around for 12 months. (sighs) I know. Um, Rebecca says, loved Evelyn, Evelyn, sorry, RD, um, whipping a pen behind her ear to give to Phil. I'm also on Michael's side regarding Fizz and Tyrone too. Sorry, Gemma. And just so you know that... and you just know whenever they are happy and settled Alina will rock up with the baby I'm happy Tyrone made an effort at replacing the tattoo though despite it being quite naff oh and I really like Phil and Jenny together so if he does stick around I wouldn't mind them nope. getting together that would be great but what I'm, about Leo I just on want Leon Je- I just Leo? Really, Leon. really want what's Leo? his name Leo I just want Jenny to have a story we've we've not really seen much of Jenny she at was all in it this year. She, she, she was in it today, I want her to be in it more please just give her a story she's really great she is very very great she can do a lot more than just standing behind the bar dispensing wise advice Rebecca says poor Audrey I really hope she gets the help she needs and that this is the wake up call the plats need I really like the new look salon though and even though I think Audrey shouldn't be in charge I think David should take it over and let Maria be in charge of Trim Up North I think the opposite way round because I think Trim Up North is obviously more manly yeah but who's the most manly out of David and Maria? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rebecca says, I did laugh at Nick saying he helped the salon by holding a paintbrush. I don't blame Aggie at all for trying to get as much money as she can out of Debbie. Ed nearly got killed. I'm wondering if Debbie will go back to the dark side to get the money. It was a shock to see James again. I thought he'd left. <laughs> I didn't even remember he was in it. I know yes. everyone kept saying, oh, oh, J- James was in it. I forgot he was even that. I didn't know, you know, and I was like, I don't, he was there I don't recall him being in it at also all. Nathan was at the Corrie Summer party last night so he's still about he's still hanging around that's good 
Rebecca says, I enjoyed the Ken and Wendy scene and glad that Ken said that he still missed Deirdre. I'm also glad that Abby is now back at home. Tracy shouting that Wendy was funny and I agree, I don't think Wendy's story is over with yet. I loved Sean sticking sticking up to Frank. Standing up to Frank. Standing up to Frank over what Dylan... uh, What Frank said was wrong and I think that he thought he could get away with it like he tried to with George, who was proved correct. I did laugh at Sean trying to understand football. <laughs> Finally, again, why hardly put Stu in the storyline for, for three scenes? There is a reason why Stu doesn't want to find his daughter. So Yasmin doing a Facebook search is asking for trouble. Character of the week is Sean. I know it wasn't in it much, but I was just touched by him standing up for Dylan. I'll give this week three £10,000, which adds up to £30,000, which is how much Debbie is offering Ed and Angie in instalments out of five. <laughs> Very like nicely put together there, Rebecca. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing with, um, uh, with, with Stu, I guess, Maybe, maybe because he thinks he's onto a winner with Jasmine, he doesn't want her to find out about his past. Yeah. Because even though he knows it wasn't true, he also knows that she's um, prone to uh, flying off the handle. What? She's so reasonable. What do you mean? And accusing anybody that she fancies of being a bit like Jeff, so well, it makes it easier. Although hate, he should just tell her. I hate to say this, but it's gonna come out in it. Uh, the especially if it's a if it's a crime of maybe some kind of sexual nature, which I don't think it will be, but a violence, a man being violent towards a woman, um, especially if he was convicted of it for, for whatever reason, whether he's covering for somebody else or he was accused and um, nobody believed he didn't do it. Lots of people are of the attitude, no smoke without fire, while, you know, innocent people don't get, even though that's a load of crap, there are still people who would judge him just for being accused of it. And especially, honestly, if this guy came up to me, he was like, yeah, I know I got tried and convicted, um, but I definitely didn't do it. And it was beating up a little girl because I wanted a lollipop. I think I would err on the side of caution and say, I'm just nah. going to not have anything to do with you <laughs> anymore, just in case. Maybe Stu used to be a magician and he accidentally sawed somebody in half for real. Oh my God. And then she'd be like... Stu, I can forgive a lot, but magician, why? <laughs> why? Why would you lie to me about it? Right, last email of the night, of course, comes from Nancy, who says that Gary was brilliant to use the tracking device to find Kelly last week, and she was pretty smart too. I do think Gary would have killed the man if Kelly hadn't stopped him, though. I almost thought Kelly was going to accuse Gary of killing Rick. I think she'll be haunted by memories of Seb, and Gary will be haunted by memories of Rick. Kelly may start to figure out who killed him, but then forgive Gary anyway. What, Imagine so if gonna, they had a you, shared you dream. You killed my dad, but never mind. Well, what's done is done. You, you, you wash my bed sheets for you me. Let my, um, you let me think my mum did it, and I let her die alone. Yeah, but I forgive you, because I am Saint Kelly of Weatherfield. Phil and Fizz going to see the same therapist as Tyrone and Fizz was funny. I started the week thinking Phil would sign the annulment papers, but as the week went on, I realised he was not going to do it. Phil is a big old flip-flopper. I know, he totally is. He should be called Philip Flop. Philip (laughs) Philop. (laughs) Hope is definitely show-stealer in the same way. She told Phil about Fizz's coming to Tyrone after she left the reception. I knew if Hope was left alone with Phil, she would tell him about Fizz and Tyrone. I wonder why she did it, though, when she didn't seem to want Fizz to marry Phil. 
Phil whipping up the annulment papers in the Rovers with Jenny there was brilliant. And Tyrone and Fizz deserve this. But at the end, Phil cannot force someone to love him. True. It's true. so true. Phil, uh, Fizz may decide she does not love Tyrone either, though. Well, the pair of them are That's both very fickle, so. Um, I love Ken speaking about Deirdre and that he misses her. Yeah. Wendy will be back. Sean was wonderful standing up to Frank with regard to Dylan. And I think that Dylan is a great character. But I can't believe we have seen the last of Frank, though. Mm. I give this... Do you think we have... I hope it feels not. like we it have. Feels, what, I hope. What's the point then? And also, <clears throat> remember we were talking about it, and I was saying George really needs to be the one that yeah. unmasks him because he's the real victim here, and that didn't happen. And I feel like George is kind of um, mm. missing this payoff. Like, and narratively speaking, it is not very powerful either because literally everyone's been telling Sean about this guy. For, for weeks and then he just happens over here and go into Dylan you're a little toe rag and that's the end of the whole story I don't think so mm, well we will see won't we we'll see eventually I believe that George is going to be in it next week or whether though whether this story will come up um, we'll have to wait and see I give this week's episodes four ripped up annulment papers out of five and the character of the week for Nancy was Phil thank you Nancy thank you thank everybody. you Rebecca Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Glenda, for coming on the podcast you, earlier. It was very lovely mm. to speak to you. And thank you, Sophie Dainty from Digital Spy, yes. for um, coming on to the podcast for a chat late, uh, earlier this week as well, because I found that very interesting, and she was a lovely lady. And thank you to Cranish Street. She followed us on Instagram today as well. So oh, that's we're good. In there. Yeah. Thank you to Cranish Street for making a two and a half out of five week. <laughs> You tried. <laughs> Thank you, Reese Dinsdale, oh, for zooming in on Kevin so many times on Wednesday's episode. I know I'm being really, really bitchy today, and I don't really know where it's come from at all. You've been a right grump in today's I have, podcast, Gemma. I was going to tell you somebody's going to give you a bad review this week. I know, probably. It's like, who does say, she well, think she is? Well, why don't she try very and grumpy make on this week's podcast? Why doesn't she do an episode if she's so smart? <laughs> Well, I just, I think you, you, you're just saving yourself so that in two or three weeks' time when we've got our anniversary podcast, you'll be, you know, tap dancing out. I of... really hope, but whatever happens in the week that it's our oh, anniversary no. that we actually like it. Oh my gosh, if, if Coronation Street like is bad the week dull. that it's on our anniversary, then... And just got no idea, really. Oh, I think we've... I was kind of, um, I think this week I was kind of influenced by Chad. Chad's an influencer. On our Facebook group. Oh, it's yeah. like, I'm not watching anymore. It's crap. Oh, yeah, he did say that, didn't he? It's like, I don't, I don't care about it. It's all boring. And I was like, yeah, it is boring. <laughs> well, everyone's been talking about Neighbours this week, haven't they? And we haven't... Yeah. We purposely not talked about Neighbours tonight because um, the grand finale of it... We've been watching it this week for the first time ever. I've watched them Neighbours. And the finale of it's been going on while we've been recording the podcast. So I think tomorrow... We'll watch the finale of Neighbours and, and and probably have a good old chat about our Neighbours watching experience next week. So look out for that, Neighbours fans, because we'll probably sound like we've got not a clue what we're talking about. But um, for that and more, you'll just have to wait until next week, because for now, Conversation Street is done yeah. for July of 2022. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, you're going to do... Have we done, have you done all the Conversation Street or Podbean? They know. You, you do it. You do it. Oh. In your best... Your best... What, um, best what? Come on. Uh, just your best influencing podcaster, presenty voice. You know, you've been a presenter uh, I have, for 10 I? years. I am. Yeah, Give I am. Give us your energy. It's all about putting on an act. It's like This is like me being a teacher. If I'm in a grumpy mood, I'm not allowed to be Don't grumpy. Don't go in there like, Hey, buddy, we're going to learn the ancient Greeks today. It's so fun. Okay. You can never tell. When, you know, sometimes you can tell I'm in a bad mood on the podcast. 
I think you can, Michael. Sometimes I put it on. You pretend. Go on. Right. Best showbiz voice. <clears throat> you can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Wow, you can find so us fun. online at conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon, where we've just released our July episode, which was our top five things that you will only find out if you give us money. No, we can say what it is. This week, because I put about it on Twitter anyway. That's a week, joke. <laughs> I know, I know. This week's Patreon episode, this month's Patreon episode, was um, based on a suggestion from listener Denise, who yes. wanted to know what we thought would be the, our top five ways that we want Coronation Street to reflect to better reflect life in the 21st century. So ideas um, for modernising Corrie. And, and we haven't done one a bit number like that for a while. Number have one, we? we'll bit... shock you. <laughs> I totally will. Um, you know, usually, uh, quite often on, on for the pa- for the Patreon, it's like top five characters who did blah, blah, blah. But this week it this was a, was a bit more chance out, for us yeah. to be a bit um, creative. more creative, wasn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed recording that today. I, I thought that was a good episode. Well. And thank you to Denise, who also came up with some really good ideas. And if you sign up to Patreon from our bistro tier or or higher you get access to all 35 of our patreon but don't do it yet listen episodes. listen carefully you get charged every month at the beginning of the month Wait till the first and the August. first time you sign up so don't sign up at the end of the month because you'll get charged twice we don't want that to happen although i do like the money but i don't want you to be sad we, well, we want you to be happy so Wait until the beginning of August and then sign up then. Any Patreon funds that we get in August are going to go towards funding or our, Happy our things for the anniversary. anniversary revelries, won't it? Yeah. So, so um, also don't forget that if you sign up for a year for the Rovers, Rovers tier, tier you get water a bottle. water bottle that we'll send to you immediately mm. and it is worth £35. It's bargainous. Um, I think and it keeps cold things cold and We're going to send hot. a few more... Those bottles out next week, probably now we're into a new month. I think we've sent all of our UK ones out that, that, that are owed one. If you're listening and you're in the UK and you think, I should have received my water bottle, but I haven't got it, please can you get in touch with us? And also, if you get yours, please show it off on social media. Yeah, because we... Make everyone jealous. We sent a bunch of them out about two or three weeks ago, and I don't think anybody posted those on social media, and it got me worried that they didn't actually As arrive. seen on Celebrity Carnation Street Celebrities. Yes. Like... Like Georgia Taylor, Sally Ann Matthews, <laughs> Adam Bleas, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think all the UK ones should be out now. We've only sent literally one foreign one, haven't we? Just to test it out. So one has made it way across the Atlantic, but the idea that we gave it to next... somebody on holiday, and then when they got to the <laughs> customs, they're like, I actually don't even know what's next in this. Next week, we're planning to send the rest of them or a good chunk of the um, North American ones out. Um, and but that's going to take about a month yeah. to get to you, I'm afraid. So, um, yeah, anyway. Just look forward it. to it. That's it's it going to be fun. Patreon Thank plug. you so much for your support. Really could not do a lot of this stuff without you. It helps so much, you guys. But don't feel bad if you don't. One of the people that I spoke to this week said, I'm sorry that I don't sponsor you on Patreon, and it's absolutely fine. We do not expect it. We don't have a list of people that we're secretly mad at because you don't give us Patreon no. cash. That's fine. But it's lovely if you do. Yeah. And it's very beneficial to you as well because you get lots of lovely stuff. Anyway, that's enough of that. I feel dirty just trying to I know. To say every it. single time I try to make, promote you're like, don't tell anyone we do it. I feel so ashamed of myself. I'm going. Provide now. a service. I'm going. We said goodbye about 10 minutes ago. Goodbye. But I'm it this time. Enjoy your goodbye. weekend. Hope that you have a nice time. Me Love too. you guys. See you later. Bye bye. Bye 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 bye. Bye bye. Where did the music come from? Podcastteams.com. Yes. <laughs>